When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash hidden, H-I-D-D-E-N. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So, no strings attached. We're giving you a free book. You've heard us talk about how much we love Audible. Go give them a shot. And once again, promo code HIDDEN for audibletrial.com slash hidden. As always, we are sponsored by Illuminatus. Their pre-rolls are made like no other pre-roll out there. And they come in a sativa and indica blend, offering a discreet and satisfying experience every single time. Illuminatus products are always guaranteed to meet all government testing standards. So check them out at illuminatusbrand.com and on Instagram at team underscore Illuminatus. And with that, we lose all our listeners. <laughs> it's hard to believe, but this is uh, already, it's fucking, it's round three of our bout against David Wilcock. <sighs> this, Woo. you know, th- this is in MMA when it's a non-championship fight. It goes three rounds. This this would be the final round, but this is a championship fight. This, this is, is going five rounds. This is for the belt. Yeah. So so we're we're feeling a little gassed. But we're gonna dig deep, and we're gonna power through these uh, the championship rounds. Yeah, so and we're like champions, we're about to finish this shit off. Yeah, I, I, so far we've got uh, David claiming to be an alien. He, he has he's an alien. He's put some messiah hints out there. Yeah, he's he's a prophet. He's an alien. He's the reincarnated version of Edgar Casey, and I. Now, in this book, he never specifically says the phrase reincarnation of Edgar Casey. He heavily implies it, uh-huh. but he never actually says it. Well, as I texted you a day or two ago, uh, Edgar Casey's son has said that David Wilcock is 100% not the, re- the reincarnated version of his father. So maybe he's trying to go for some like sort of loophole. Um, where it's not technically reincarnation. Uh, I think you would probably just say that that's just the aliens testing his resolve. Something like that. All right, let's... So, where where, did the, where does the path lead today? Where, uh, where do we begin? So, we finally get some actual stories out of him, okay. eventually, towards the end. Uh, that only took 300 <clears throat> pages. First few chunks... Uh, we keep dealing with some of our other uh, topical, topical insights as David becomes a man. Oh yeah, so that was that was kind of where we left off. Is he had a girlfriend that he was uh, too big of a bitch to like dump, so he kind of just waited for her to move away. He's got his imaginary roommate already, already, yeah, 
who conveniently co-signs everything that David talks about. Yeah, and who seems to have been in some sort of secret society Illuminati type thing without actually knowing it. Yeah. So and his dad, his dad might not actually be dead. So that's where we're at. Um, and if none of that makes sense to you, go welcome. listen to the other two. Yeah. Welcome. It's there, not supposed to make yeah, sense. None of it makes sense to us either. So let's, uh, with that being said, let's jump. Uh, fuck. I don't even know if I'm ready. All right. Let's, let's <laughs> I'm gonna, start before I get the, uh, I'm going to just, back so out. everyone can brace themselves. If you're familiar with the law of one, we do get into that a lot. Oh boy. Um, Buckle up. Because as you'll see, the the law of one is what I would call the backbone to David's entire ideology. And I guess the quickest way to summarize the law of one is it was a book written by a group of individuals, a woman channeler. It was it's it was a channeled book. They would set this woman up, and she would channel this. Alien entity, Ra. Ra. The Ra from Egypt, yes. This is the one and the same. And they would ask Ra questions, and the woman would speak on behalf of Ra. So that's that's where that info comes from. So take uh, take from that what you will. Yes. And uh, we discussed in the last part the idea of wanderers. David found a man by the name of Scott Mandelker, and... Uh, he says that there's roughly 65 million wanderers on the earth. Seems like a which high seems number. like a lot. Yeah. yeah. I it, well we might find it at some point, but I think they eventually do a Oh yeah, it says in the, in the 90s it was about 1 in 60 people. 1 in 60. So so there's a lot of fucking aliens here apparently. Huh. If that many people are aliens like I think I don't think the aliens are really aliens. That's kind of a twist. I would have expected a smaller number just so they, they like to see themselves as like a exclusive crew. So you would think it would be one of those like there's a hundred thousand of us or something. I think they realized it's more profitable to go with the, uh, hey, you're part of the group too. That's true. If there's only a hundred thousand, chances are you're not part of it. Sixty yeah. something million. You can be part uh, of that group. Yeah. Uh, a little weird. You might yeah. be an alien. Uh, <clears throat> Let's see. There's a... One of the headers from David Sections, no desire to enter the real world. The sheer <laughs> awesomeness of the idea that I had an extraterrestrial soul and that we were all being, uh, that we we're all heading into a mass spiritual awakening event on the earth that many called ascension made the hunt for a normal job seem incredibly depressing. <laughs> when Eric and I first decided to get the art gallery apartment, I was working at the mental hospital. Then after we signed the lease, I lost my job found Scott Mandelker's book and got the Bible quote telling me everything would be okay. Eric paid almost the entire $1,750 we needed to claim the space. I moved into our new place unemployed, but I wasn't really trying as hard as I should have been to find what was sure to be another low-paying job. So this is this is the part where David realizes that work sucks. So he's hit, he's hit his low point. Now the grift must begin. He's He's... Been fired from his job for reasons I can't possibly fathom, and now, now he's got to figure out how to fucking trick the public into giving him money. Well, he hasn't even come up with that scheme at this point. At this That's point, he's saying. too this young. Is, yeah, this, this is, is the the origin. This is yeah. You you begin to see the dots connecting. This is Batman just watched his parents get shot. Yeah, that's what just happened here. 
Every day I had to walk into a corporate office with stark fluorescent lights, fill out a depressing summary of the dead-end jobs I had endured, provide names and phone numbers for each of my former supervisors, and try to act excited about taking on yet another low-paying and very humble job. This felt degrading to me. I was new to adult living, having graduated from an all-expenses-paid college experience only six months before, and I knew that Eric had enough money to take care of both of us, at least for a while. What? So, yeah, he's, he's living just, off another man? He's mooching. <laughs> he's mooching. But, uh, let's see. He eventually does feel bad about that. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. All right. Uh, at some point, he begins to say, after all... I now knew I was an awakened volunteer extraterrestrial ambassador to Earth. Did my angelic friends seriously expect me to work for six bucks an hour? Now, this alien shit is new, right? Yes, yes. This is the first time he's just straight up said that he's an alien. So, uh, now, if I were him, the way I would try and play this is I would say... I've always known this, but I've been too afraid to come out with it. Because uh, this is like him coming out of the closet. This is his uh, coming out of the cosmic closet as an extraterrestrial. Um, in the other books, he kind of, in the last one, he kind of does that, but never outright just says it. He's yeah. just saying it now. Which, I guess, shoot your shot. Fuck it. What, yeah. what other moves are there? Oh, he he puts it all on the on the <laughs> table in this in this book. If if he's either gonna be really really right or really really wrong. Uh, Let's see more prophecies from David. All right, good. My first prophetic car crash dream was on December tenth, nineteen ninety five. In this case, I was driving in heavy snowfall. A huge snowplow truck was coming right at me as I drove up the road. I had to swerve off to the side just in time to avoid being hit. The mountain of snow that the plow was pushing was truly colossal. However, as soon as I was on the roadside, a massive bloody war began. People were creating lethal weapons out of snow and fighting and dying in the battle. I was no longer in my car, and I had to jump and run and work hard to avoid being hit by anything. A security so guard... So playing like human frogger. Yeah. He's running across the freeway. Yeah. In his dream. In his dream. A security guard for my job at the mental hospital was one of the people fighting, <laughs> and he was in a total violent rage. He spotted me, began running toward me at full speed with his weapon in hand, clearly with the intent to murder me. As he rushed up to me, I manifested my own sword out of snow and struck him with it. In retaliation, he bit, me, he bit down on my middle finger and would not let go. I was in terrible pain. I punched him again and again, but I could not get him to release the bite. With those fucking tiny noodle arms just punching some big dude. Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! Then, all of a sudden, he stopped biting me and said, It's cold. As if he was perplexed and had just woken up from a strange, violent trance. We both stopped fighting and sat down on the cold, snowy ground looking at each other. Then we looked over to our left and realized that we both had a common enemy. Another guy was prancing around, acting like he was a star athlete and waving to people as if he was royalty. He was the one who had started this war by, good. by convincing everyone to fight each other. In truth, he was just like us. We both started laughing at his ridiculous narcissism. And yeah. I think that might yeah. be the most ironic sentence in the book. I was going to say, the, fucking, the irony there, we should just end the episode. <laughs> and then just... 
there's two more points in this particular part that we're going over where the irony's off the charts. It's he there's there's certain points where I feel like he's almost he he's the like tangential to uh understanding, like self awareness. Yeah, there's two points where he specifically like, calls out a problem <clears throat> in this community only to then Miss not realize that he's doing exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, what is it in geometry when the line is like up against uh, a passum toe or, or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he he's doing that with like self awareness, where he gets it feels like he's, he's recognizing it in other people. Yeah, just not in himself. Completely missing the irony. It, it's like that flat Earth documentary where that woman is driving around in the car. And she's talking about how people believe all this ridiculous, stupid shit just because they read it on the internet. Yeah. And she believes the earth is flat. And and she just completely misses the irony of the fact that she's doing the very thing she's chastising others for. Yeah, which I guess is how these people become these people. Yeah, self-awareness is... uh, There's got to be a little bit of delusion in there. Maybe more than a little. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Uh, Let's see. Continuing on. The second prophetic dream was on December 13th, 1995. In this one, I was with a group of people who were looking at a car for sale that was being displayed in a garage. The car was extremely lightweight and therefore seemed quite unsafe to drive, particularly in the snow. Whoever was selling this car was up to no good. They were well (laughs) aware that someone would crash in this car and that it would crumple up very easily and potentially kill the driver. Suddenly, a massive and frightening-looking dinosaur appeared in the distance. He spotted us and started smashing his way over to where we were standing by the car. As I woke up, I thought about how easily the dinosaur the dinosaur could stomp on the car and destroy it. The paper thin car the paper thin car symbolized my overall physical wellness. By being unemployed, I was unable to take care of myself. The salesman was the part of me that wasn't being honest about how much danger I was putting myself in by thinking that not having a job was a good idea. Uh-huh. The dinosaur represented the inevitable negative karma that would come crashing into my life if I refused to take care of myself, and the dinosaur ended up smashing a car. Well, that's certainly something. Uh, it's a wild uh, interpretation. Most people would write this shit down and go like, man, I gotta stop taking melatonin. Yeah, like the dinosaur part is, is what's throwing me off. So... It, uh, the I dinosaur mean, is negative karma. I guess. And the car is David. So the David, that is the car, gets crushed by the dinosaur. That I is don't, the karma. I guess the problem is I don't understand why David wasn't David. You know what I mean? Like, he's, Cause he he's was the car. in the dream. <laughs> no, but he's the car. That would be the worst fucking version of Transformers ever. Is David is a, a paper thin <laughs> fucking hatchback. Uh, fucking shitty Corolla. Yeah, he's a, he's a old Corolla with 300,000 miles on it, and then he transforms and talks endlessly for three hours. All right, let's keep going. More David dreams. Uh, On December 15th, 1995. Jesus Christ. These are all within like a week and a half. Yeah, he does this every day, man. Yeah, this is, uh, I think that's three dreams between like the 9th and the 15th or something. Let's see, that was 15th. The, uh, the, the other one was the 13th. And then the 10th was the The one first before one. was the 10th, yes. Yes. So yes. Every other day. Every other day he's dreaming about dinosaurs smashing cars. Yes. 
Uh, let's see. I had a dream about a romantic relationship with a blonde woman who had stunning similarities with my wife Elizabeth. Then on the 16th, I had another dream that perfectly described a black woman my wife and I have been working with on developing movie and television shows. The woman in the dream was a superhero who was levitating off the ground with a flowing cape and gleaming bluish-white beams of light coming from her eyes. She was using these beams to zap down evil men who had great wealth and social <laughs> influence. This was another interesting discovery, for this friend of ours is very well aware of the real problems we are facing in the world and of the media suppression we must move through to get to the truth. It's Oprah. <laughs> then on December 17th, 1995, I was back to having yet another problematic dream about an upcoming car crash. So he's had four car crash dreams in a week. Or maybe he just is afraid of driving. In retrospect, in retrospect, it was it is interesting that I did not suspect a thing with all these dreams when they were coming in. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, yeah. Why well, don't know? Like, why was driving so heavily on his mind? Well, it was it, he, no, no, no. You see, this is a prophetic dream about a car crash. <laughs> it. I. I would argue it can only be prophetic <clears throat> if used ahead of time. Well, you see, on the very next day. Monday, December 18th, 1995, my accident happened in the early afternoon. He was killed by a dinosaur. <laughs> he was walking down the street and struck by a pterodactyl that had fallen out, out He of was the sky. crushed by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <sighs> Man, that, this is the problem when you get into the dream world. Is It's so weird. It, well, it's just anything can happen, and then you can just retroactively fit anything into those molds as we can see yeah like we're talking <laughs> he's talking 1995 it is yeah. 2020 <clears throat> yeah. we are fucking 25 years down the line and david is taking some old ass dreams to talk about a fucking car accident that happened he, he better end up in the hospital if this is a fucking fender bender i'm gonna be pissed <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I believe I just had my own prophetic vision. At the time, I never thought about how bad my marijuana addiction had gotten before I had oh, quit. No, not again. And how self-destructive I had become while I was still using. He's using marijuana. I oh, often no. tried to think and act as <laughs> if it had never even happened. Now I was completely I was completely dodging my responsibility by not looking for a job. Lack of responsibility was the exact same problem that had plagued me as a marijuana smoker. Even though I had cleaned up, the habit patterns themselves still remain. He was I a dry drunk. I still wanted to live in a fog, ignoring my worldly responsibilities and stay high. Only now my drug of choice was <laughs> UFO and metaphysical research. That's <clears throat> oddly self-aware for him. That's actually oddly insightful. That's on the money. Yeah. Look, he, he's he's in the area of self-awareness. He just doesn't step inside very much. He acknowledged a negative trait he possesses. Yes. That's the first time he's done that. So kudos, David. Yeah, we're, we're growing. And now we're going to hear about how he got into a fucking accident in, I assume, a parking lot now <laughs> where I someone was, backs into him. <clears throat> I was driving down the road near our house in the snow. Uh, I was weary and tired of beating my brains out trying to find jobs that I was massively overqualified for, and I didn't Just have gotta any. Just got to work that in there. <laughs> and that I didn't have any interest in performing except to pay for my food and rent. That's a good reason. As to... David realizes, why everyone else that works. Yeah, I, I, I. Uh... Everyone knows that, right? Like, no one likes working. Yeah, yeah. yeah no one no. likes going to work. <laughs> yeah, no, you you go to work just to pay the bills. That's yeah, fucking it's... dumb. 
So, uh, uh, just... All right. Okay. I, uh, <clears throat> I gripped the steering wheel in frustration as all these thoughts cascaded through my mind. No more ridiculous job searching for today. I'm tired of it. Suddenly, I rounded a left turn and the car started to slide. Fast. This was very, very bad. <laughs> I completely lost control of the vehicle as it began spinning in a clockwise circle while I was going about 35 miles an hour. I mentally screamed, Wait. slammed on the brakes, and the spin only got worse. Wait, it, he was turning left? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't he be spinning? How could you turn left and then spin clockwise? Left, and then he loops back around the I other direction? maybe he turned left and was straightening out. Oh, uh, that would be, okay. And I can see spinning. that. All right. He doesn't describe the turn. that particular part very well. Of course he doesn't. <laughs> the one thing I'm actually interested in, he I was, over. <laughs> yeah, the one thing where pertinent facts yeah. could help. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, let's see. I wasn't experienced enough yet to know that you were supposed to steer into the turn and pump the brakes. Correct. Or that you had to drive more slowly as you headed around turns in the snow. Time seemed to slow down to a crawl, All right, and I wait honestly a second. wondered that, if I was about to die. That seems like that should be one of those obvious things that no one needs to tell you, is that you shouldn't drive fast when it's snowing. Yeah, the drive fast should be common knowledge. Yeah, that not knowing like, to slam your brakes, I could see you not knowing. Yeah, or, or turn into the spin or whatever, but yeah. uh, not driving the same speed when the roads are covered in ice. Seems self-explanatory. You would think so. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Neither steering nor brake did anything to stop the car's motion. Thankfully, there was no oncoming traffic. Out loud, I started screaming the S-word in a percussive, rhythmic chant. Sigger! Two Sigur. times per second. Oh. Getting louder and louder the longer I said. Yeah, I like that he had to say the S-word. Wait, what the f- Is he talking about shit? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Why? I, unless there's another S-word I'm unaware of. <laughs> Saget? Sigger? At least anything Psych. that's considered <laughs> profane. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's. Uh... I mean, he also has like I think there's cussing in his little like script. Thing, I mean, so. I've definitely heard him cuss during his talks. But I don't. Hey, I guess I don't know. Do books get G ratings? Maybe this is a, this is a family friendly book. My car actually did a complete 360 degree revolution on the road at the same moment that I was swearing and sliding in this giant circle, which seemed to last for an eternity. I felt compelled to look at my car's digital clock. The blue digits... <laughs> Not the numbers. The blue digits 111 one, one burned at me from the dashboard. There it was again. Why in the world was I seeing a clock synchronicity as I was about to die? I really didn't have time to think about it. Yet I was aware, even as it was happening, that higher forces were somehow involved in this. Repeating digits on the clock were one of the key signatures of my E.T. family. And here I was, about to die in my car... Then my front right tire suddenly slammed into a post on the side of the road, and I came to an immediate safe stop. So his alien family is made by fucking Casio and Timex. Yes. They they, they can, really like to fuck with the clock. They can only communicate via repeating digits, which occurs, what, ten times a day? Because uh, one, through, one yes. through five, yeah. yeah. Or I guess, well, twelve o'clock, you got twelve, twelve, yeah. Yeah. It it happens a lot. It happens like it, enough times a day to be statistically significant. If you're looking out for it every day, all day, you're you're gonna come across it a few times. You can find it. You're gonna find it. You're gonna find ten ten. You're gonna find eleven eleven, twelve twelve. 
Yeah, we don't. One, use, one, one. We don't use that many digits. Two twenty-two. Yeah, there, there's a, a finite number. I just love that in the midst of what he thought was a death spiral, him looking at the clock was like a muscle reaction. <laughs> yeah, he had to check in on what the alien family. What's the wanted. synchronicity? Yeah. Oh, one, one, one. I think eleven is supposed to be, or like one eleven is supposed to be some sort of sacred number, though. I mean, like he I, did live. Yeah. He, uh, once again, I have a feeling he was he was probably going like ten miles an hour and just sort of yeah he probably just he just drifted a little yeah I, I, did he like total his car I guess let's get back to it did uh, uh <clears throat> let's see my wheel and axle had had absorbed the majority of the shock head on so there was very little damage uh the clock <laughs> synchronicity was an obvious sign that the spiritual forces I was in contact with had somehow set up and carried out this crash. Oh, hold on. Sorry to interrupt, but 111 is one of the most important numbers in numerology. It is an angel number that encourages you to rely upon your inner wisdom and intuition to guide you. So there you go. While, While he's spinning out of control in his car, the aliens are telling him to stop spinning out of control in his life. He's got to follow his inner, his inner compass. Let's see. They were the lords of karma, and I had to be very careful not to get myself in trouble. This changed everything. I drove home and immediately went to my dream notebooks to see if anything had predicted this event. His car was good enough to drive home? Yeah. All right, he fucking blew this shit out of proportion. Yeah, 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 he did. He 100% did. So he fucking, he spun out on a turn, tapped the curb, got and a, then drove home. Got a small dent and kept it moving, yeah. Uh, okay, all right. Yep. Uh, let's see. Sure enough, at least four different dreams in the past eight days had forecasted this event in advance. I knew I was trying to take advantage of Eric and possibly my family to have them pay for my own lack of responsibility, while making up excuses and saying I was doing everything I could. I immediately made a full commitment to get another job and stabilize myself. All right, well, good for you, David. As it turned out, I had no trouble whatsoever getting another job. I had been resisting the option to do it. The very next day, I went back and reapplied to the UARC Day Treatment Center in Kingston. This was a facility for developmentally disabled adults who ranged from moderate to severe profound in their levels of challenge. Uh We had some students like this in our high school, and I was able to see them as human souls and not be frightened by or upset by the way they looked. (laughs) Frightened, Frightened seems harsh. Now I had returned, newly humbled. Since they were always in need of help, I got my job back with only a brief burst of ridicule from my Irish boss. <laughs> so you got canned. <laughs> and that's David finally getting a job. So he works with the mentally disabled. Yeah, he's working with the retards. Okay, so he, uh... Ah, uh, oh, man, I... You think you can make him dumber? Well, that's what I'm trying to think is like, I, I don't know if that makes the situation better or worse to have, like, if you start telling a bunch of sub 80 IQ people about your Tyrannosaurus Rex stomping on car dreams. They're going to believe you. Yeah. I, we're going to end up with some weird autistic army. No, I'm an alien. <laughs> this is probably the beginnings of his following. Like That's these are true. his early cult these are his, members. These are his followers. He, he got to refine his process on the developmentally disabled and sort of 
work his way up to uh, full-functioning adults. I mean, I think we can all agree that most cults are started with retards. Yeah, headed and started by. Yeah. Okay, thanks to my new psychology degree, the UARC management quickly positioned me in what they unofficially called the behavior rooms. Wait, in UARC, does the R stand for retarded? What is that? United States of America Retard Coalition? You know, I didn't notice until now, but I don't think he explains what the UARC stands for. I'm going to guess that's uh, one of those things that's uh, no longer allowed. Like, there's um, there's a restaurant out here in L.A. called uh, Bob's Big Boy. It kind of, uh, it's famous locally, but they used to... Up until way past when it was acceptable to say the word retard, every uh, every year they would raise money by doing the the march for retards, <laughs> which a middle school me found endlessly hilarious. I still find that endlessly hilarious. Oh, uh, UARC stands for University Affiliated Research Center. Okay, so the R is not for retard. Eh, I apologize as, for making the assumption. That's not as fun. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Uh, so he's at the retard center. He's at the retard center, and uh, <laughs> thanks to his yeah. So the 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 official term for the for them was ILR, which stood for intensive learning rooms. These were these two rooms were set up in the most dis, for, were set up for the most disruptive consumers, as they called them, were kept together so they wouldn't damage the peace of the other classrooms. Somehow they felt that with a degree in psychology. I would be better trained in how to handle all this chaos. David doesn't realize they're just giving him the most difficult cases because yeah, they don't want them. They don't like him, so they're giving him the shittiest job. It's what every job does. Yeah. The person who, do, who no one wants to be around gets sent to go do shit by themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah, David. David thinks this is like an honor that they're giving him the, he the, is, the biggest headaches. He has been bestowed with the great responsibility of dealing with only the most difficult of cases. Yeah. Some of the people could speak and others could not, right. and yelling and screaming would occur almost hour by hour. Yeah, Fights broke out almost every day. All of them reminded me of children, and I felt genuine love and respect for them. Every day I could see and hear utterly hilarious things, particularly from our two highest functioning people who could speak fluently. I often used whimsical comedy to keep the peace, and the people <laughs> responded very well to my efforts. <laughs> Much of my job was akin to being an umpire, breaking up inevitable fights while constantly watching both doors to make sure that our runners didn't try to escape. So David is serving as a, a clown for the retarded. Yeah, man. He's just laughing at him, cracking jokes with him. Not weird at all that he gets along best with the retards. <laughs> it's well, it, it's funny to see him. It, it kind of makes sense. Like It's all starting to slowly come together. His on-stage persona, when he gives his speeches, is sort of like he's trying to entertain a room full of uh, people who uh, fall below that that line. Yeah, that, I'm trying not to use the word retarded as much, but it's just the more retards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking. He's he's entertaining like he's entertaining retards. Yeah. So then, on December twentieth, I had a dream that gave me wonderful compliments for facing my responsibility. In this dream, I drove a small drove to a small airport and parked in an outdoor parking lot. When I got out of the car, I found cash lying on the ground that added up to twenty dollars. 
I then found a wallet with traveler's checks in it that added up to another $55. Sweet. The traveler's checks needed to be signed in order to be cashed. Now a newlywed couple came up to me and asked if I had seen a wallet lying around. This was my big choice point. I knew I was dead broke. I could have lied to them and kept the money, but I couldn't live with myself for doing that. I wasn't that kind of person. This is a dream? Yes. He's Okay. <laughs> All yes. right. So uh, he's very honorable in his dreams. Yeah, David gives them back the money and they burst into tears. Uh, there on the passenger seat was a mountain of cash, easily a million dollars or more. <laughs> I was overwhelmed with happiness. Even in the dream, I felt like this was a great, great synchronicity that had obviously happened because I chose to be honest. In symbolic terms, the dream was clearly showing me that by taking things, by taking on this very dif difficult job and facing my adult responsibility, instead of stealing from my new housemate and possibly from my family, the rewards in the long term would be terrific. At this point, the dream shifted, as they often do. Now I was driving the car. In the place of the money, I now had a black man riding with me in the passenger seat. Two black women were riding in the back. We were talking, laughing, and having a great time together. Suddenly, flashing blue and red lights appeared in my rearview mirror. <laughs> we were getting pulled we were getting pulled over. A Caucasian police officer walked up and wanted to make sure I was okay and that these people weren't forcing me to do anything against my will. Do you notice every time a black person's been brought up in this book, it's been for a crime? Yes. Like the original one is the guy broke into, broke his, into house. his house. The second one now he's he's getting a driving while black. Yep. Uh-huh. It's uh, it seems subconsciously like raw may, might have a little uh, racism. I think he's trying to pull the white fragility and acting anti like racist and shit, but he's uh, just being more racist trying to do that. Yeah, he's like I was in a car with black people, so naturally we were pulled over. So a white cop pulled us over. Uh, let's see. Make sure doing anything is my will. I told the policeman that everything was fine. We were having a great time, and it was perfectly normal for black people and white people to be friends. In dream analysis, people of other races typically represent your unseen, angelic guides, and helpers in the higher realms. That's so. So David's angels are black. All right, I'll, I'll keep that in mind in future dreams I have. That's how diverse he is. <laughs> he, he dreams you inclusively. Want black, you want black Jesus. He's got black angels. Fucking hell. Yo, Black Jesus would make fun of this motherfucker so much. Everyone would dog, make fun of this dog, guy. Dog, I'm going to let you in. I'm going to let you in, dog. But you retarded for sure. You retarded for sure. <laughs> definitely a fucking idiot. I fucked up with you. I'm not going to lie. I fucked up with you, but you can come on in. Uh, let's see. Closing out the chapter. Many people feel they have to explain these things away to maintain their view of reality. Otherwise, they worry that people will judge them as outcasts, mentally ill, or even insane. But <laughs> I can honestly say that nothing feels quite as good as that first prophetic dream or mind-blowing synchronicity where you realize... What about some marijuana, David? <laughs> Does that scratch that itch? It, it numbs that itch. Addict. Uh, where you really see that you yourself have all the power you need to do this. You are awakening in the dream that we now collectively refer to as reality. All right, first of all, that's the, the second time he's used the title of the book in a... Uh... Closer, yeah, and the closer, like he, he's probably fucking... just wrote like thirty of them. Was like, well, I know how to close every chapter. <laughs> he thinks he's he's fucking hitting it out of the park on each one. He's just fucking hitting himself in the nuts with the bat. Yeah, he does that quite a bit. He hit himself in the nuts with the bat. Yeah, he he swings metaphorically. So yes, he swings it hard and misses. 
But he keeps he talks about time loops more. He eventually humble brags about how his company bought his uh, house that he grew up in. Of course, because they're shooting a movie there, which I can't wait for. I'm sure I gotta see the movie. Has to be his uh, like I don't bio, think, right? I, I don't think there's a movie. I it's gonna be it's gonna come out. It's gonna be super low budget. If listen, if the insane clown posse can make a movie happen. I guess I believe David Wilcock can make a movie happen, but boy, do I think it's going to suck. I suppose so. Uh, well, now David gives us a tale about a woman he met, met who he calls Karen. Uh, not huh. long after I started my stressful new job, I was in Woodstock with an acquaintance who I will call Karen. We passed by the EG&G facility in the area. Excitedly, I blurted out, Oh, look, EG&G, Rotron. That's where they reverse engineer the UFOs. Karen was suddenly overcome, visibly shaking on the brink of tears. What? What? Did you just say? I then repeated myself. I read about it in a book, Alien Contact, by Timothy Good. According to his insiders, almost all of the military defense contractors are working on this. She responded, If I tell you something, you have to promise me that you will never say a word about this to any soul. Now you can see why I'm not using her real name or any identifiable features. I promise. Also, because this never happened. Yeah, very convenient. <laughs> yeah, once again, the convenient per. I gotta start lying more. Yeah, if, I didn't know it was this easy. Oh, journalists figured out this ruse years ago. Whereas, like, if you just claim a source, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, I didn't realize I could just say someone else told me something. Yeah, they can't ask you for your source. It's brilliant. Oh, it's a fantastic legal loophole they <laughs> yeah, got in there. It's a, it's a nice little, nice little scam. Uh, let's see. I promised, and she continued, My father used to work at EG&G. He could never tell us anything about he was doing, nor could he take us to work. I did not interrupt her, but I had heard stories like this before from my senior year roommate, Artie, and my junior high school friend, Kevin. She began crying. Finally, one day, he told us, They'll kill me. He said, I need you to tell this, but you can never tell another soul. If you do, they'll kill me, and they'll probably kill you as well, and everyone else we love. Which is a totally normal thing to say to your daughter. Also, uh, why then is she telling someone she just met? No explanation. Like that. Uh, no explanation. Now, see, no. The, this is where the narcissism comes in. Is he thinks he's so smart, he doesn't have to explain. Explain. A connection. Right. It, no, it's implied. Well, it's like if I walked outside there right now, there is a car wash going on in the parking lot of this building. Car wash. Yes. Uh, it, Every week someone dies and they have to raise money for the gunned down victim's uh, funeral. Mm -hmm. Or so they, so they say. But regardless, if I walked out of there right now and knew how to speak Spanish and I just started telling one of those people something that would get my whole family killed and uh, didn't explain why I did that. Yeah, what good reason? Yeah, why would I trust a complete stranger to you, not... You know, who would lie about that? And also, now he's writing about it in a book. If, yeah. if they've got alien technology, you think they can't fucking figure out who this might have been? Who was around David fucking Wilcock during this specific period of time? Well, you know, he didn't use her identifiable features. Yeah, no, I'm sure... Look, I'm sure there's a long list of people who can tolerate David Wilcock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's you and I. Uh, let's see, and continuing on. It. End of list. It was UFOs, she said. My father was working on UFOs, top, top secret programs, and he was scared. Whatever they were working on was absolutely vital to our survival on planet Earth. It was our only hope. That's all I know. 
After she had calmed down a little more, I opened up to her. Karen, I've known this stuff was true for three years now. <laughs> Ever since douche. my buddy heard about it from his college physics professor who worked for NASA in 1970s. I've already read over 300 books on all of this. And my dream is to become a full-time professional UFO researcher <laughs> to speak about the same things your dad refused to talk about. So let me just say this. Regardless of what they told your dad, this is not just about evil aliens. The real story is much deeper than that, and there are definitely good guys and bad guys out there. Uh, the whole David, story... can you pull the car over? I'm just going <laughs> to walk. I'm just going to walk toward from here. The whole story is starting to look more and more like a biblical battle between angels and demons. If your father only encountered or heard about the negative types, I can imagine he would be quite upset. All right, if I'm a woman in a car with a guy that I just met and he goes on that rant, I'm freaking the fuck out. Yeah, you're about to get murdered. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm yeah. frantically pulling at the the door handle. That dude name drops how many books he's read. I'm out. I'm out. He, he is so fucking proud of the fact that he has read that many books. I just read that and was like, this dude rules. Because imagining you just saying that. Just, yeah. Like uh, thinking that's going to score you points. Casually dropping that you've read over 300 yeah. books. Karen, I've read over 300 books on this subject already. I couldn't even ballpark the, like, I, who keeps track of the amount of books they've read? David Wilcock. I literally couldn't tell you if I've read 50 books or 500 books. Like, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, I don't keep a tally. I don't, yeah, I don't have a whiteboard with tally marks. Yeah, I think David's the only person. And he acts like reading a book gives you some sort of credential. Well, he thinks, like, if it's in, if it's been printed, it's true. Yeah, it seems legit. So he just, yeah, I mean, a lot of these sources, he, he's fucking using coast to coast as a source. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, he mentions that a few times. Yeah, like that's coast to coast as much as I love it. Uh, not a reliable source. Yeah, it's like Wikipedia. Uh, it's like Wikipedia with no moderators. Everyone's just allowed to edit whatever they want <laughs> and no one changes it back to the right answer. All right, let's see. We get uh, another touchback with Eric and the uh, he dreams of the old man that uh, David frequently is visited by. The old uh, white man or black man? White man. Okay. Yes. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so er Eric says, I just had this crazy dream about you. Uh, David replies, Eric, I can't listen to your dream right now. I've got to go to work. <laughs> what a dick. David, you're Jeez. definitely going to want to hear this one. It had UFOs in it. Now, as the Subaru roaring away at 5,000 revolutions per minute outside, <laughs> everything came to a screeching halt. Okay, you got me. Let's have it. Suddenly it happened. UFOs. Dozens of them. Maybe hundreds. Maybe thousands. Who knows? They were everywhere, flying through the skies. Flying in formation, swooping, darting, and dancing around each other. It was the big one. The moment we all had either hoped or feared might happen one day. After seeing so many movies about extraterrestrials, everyone was gaping, staring up into the heavens, pointing their fingers, covering their mouths with their other hands, crying out, and in some cases screaming. One of the disc-shaped craft dropped in for a closer look. A three-foot-wide disc came down out of the craft on a beam of light. A man was standing on the disc, surrounded by brilliant white light. He was wearing a white robe. He had sandals on his feet. He had gray hair and a gray beard. Eric said he had very sensitive features. Leaves and bits of debris were swirling around him in a vortex. Eric said he looked like our normal vision of Jesus, although he had clearly gotten older than so, our typical illustrations of him. So we got Jesus riding a UFO like a fucking surfboard, which... Uh, 
that's going to be a t-shirt. Someone draw that. I want, I want that printed pronto, but. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's old Jesus pretty much. It's old Jesus surfing on a UFO. What up dudes? <laughs> uh, let's see. The, the old man began talking about the same kinds of ascension prophecies that I had already been discussing with Eric based on many dreams I was having and books I was reading. Now, this is what's frustrating me, is why do they not realize the shit you talk about in your life shows up in dreams? Like, it's uh, not weird for shit that you do to show up in your dream. It would be weird if him and David had never talked, and then he had these dreams about the same shit, but the fact that they've discussed it, and then he just also thinks about it when he's asleep, it's not like some grand yeah, phenomenon. It's not, it's nothing crazy. Yeah, he doesn't seem to understand that the mind uses, like, sleep to process the stuff you're thinking about during the day, and if you're doing nothing but reading about aliens and UFOs and shit. Or if your roommate repeatedly keeps telling you about the shit, like, yeah, it, it, like might yeah. pop, it might pop up. Yeah, sometimes things just happen. Yeah. Let's see. Not when Uh, synchronicities exist. Everything has meaning. uh, Let's see. Continuing on. The old man stood silently as if he was waiting for us to make a decision. Finally, Lenore, one of uh, their friends, (laughs) was able to put words together. She turned to Eric and said, shouldn't one of us go talk to him? Eric replied, I'll leave that to David. He's the UFO guy. He'll know what to say. Both of them turned to look at me and I accepted the invitation. As I walked toward the old man, his platform gently glided down to the ground level. I walked up, stepped onto the platform, and suddenly there was a spark of I've read over 300 books (laughs) on this topic. Sir, I've read over 300 (laughs) books on this plane. I'm sure I can fly it better than you. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I knew this man. I had met him before. I even knew his (laughs) language. I said something to him that Eric could not understand, but sounded like a greeting. When Eric tried to verbalize what it sounded like, the word was Shezabah. I said Shezabah to the man as if it was a question, and then he said it back to me with an even higher pitch and more of a questioning tone. Shezabah? I looked up at this point, uh, looked up this word with translation software while writing this book, and it translates as laughing in Arabic and story in Zulu. Eric never studied Arabic. These beings <laughs> d- do reside on a spiritual <laughs> level that we would most easily identify with the emotions of joy and laughter. My favorite part of this book is when he just takes a sharp 180 in yeah. these streams. It's always seems like it's going in such a like a direction you could easily guess and then he just veers into a wall. What well, why wouldn't aliens have their own language? Why why are the aliens speaking Arabic? Cuz they've been here before. Oh right, of course, pyramids yeah. and all that. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Suddenly full recognition. So silly of me. Yeah, you you forgot <laughs> the research. Yeah, I forgot the rest of his nonsense. I knew who he was and he knew who I was. Memories arose from some forgotten time long ago, but now it was, not, it was as if not a single minute had passed. We both burst into laughter and tears. The man reached out to embrace me, and I hugged him back for several seconds. Then turned to face Eric and Lenore, the old man's arms still around my shoulders. Both of us were smiling widely and laughing. The man then looked into Eric's eyes with great intensity and began speaking. He spoke very slowly and carefully, doing his best to make sure that Eric would remember what he said, word for word. Keep paying for David's rent. <laughs> kind of. He, he oh, it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is very important that you that it is very important that you know that he is one of us. Wait, hold on, what was that accent? I don't think go back to the, <laughs> I choked that, halfway through it. <laughs> that was that was a poo telling David's roommate what to do. That was uh yes. 
I choked yeah. halfway through it and tried to tried to tried to veer out and it didn't work. <laughs> Extraterrestrial <laughs> uh, Apu has come to uh, counsel David's roommate. My my throat's been so, so scorched. I'm jumping between dialects. <laughs> you're just speaking with the aliens, man. You you see it's just like it was just like David. He didn't even know the words, right? It's, you're you're reciting the sacred incantations and they've, they've Although come when into I, the room. When I read Shezebar, I read it as like a Jew. It does Shezebar. Yeah. It, it does have a Jewish sort of a, a feel to it. But I guess they like it's a holiday, like Shezebar is when yeah. yeah. Or it sounds like a bread. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're thinking a challah, but I am, but yes. Shezebar <laughs> sounds like a bread. Uh it is very important that you know that he is one of us. He looked over to me while he said, he is one of us, so that there was no doubt the old man was saying that I was somehow a member of their lineage. Ah, oh, Jesus, David. Yeah, he confirms his alien descendants. Uh, via someone else's dream. Via someone else's <laughs> dream multiple times. Okay. Here. Uh, let's see. Continuing on, David, David says it all comes crashing in. Uh, that day, the activity in the behavior rooms was literally nonstop. It was one round of screaming, fighting, escaping attempts, and chaos after another. I never had a split second to relax. I was totally in the moment of doing my job and maintaining order. <laughs> then, right after that day of work, I had to drive back up to Scotia to see my mother for a belated Christmas visit. I was now driving full speed on the New York State Thruway through a horrific downpour. My car, my windshield was fogging up from the inside. I had to wipe it with the edge of my sleeve to have a hole I could see through. <laughs> I kept hitting puddles. That caused my car to suddenly slow down and slide. The technical term for this is hydroplaning, and it is terrifying. What a douche. I honestly what felt a that if I douche. Yeah, I honestly felt that if I didn't keep driving and tried to pull over somewhere, someone wouldn't hit me. I had to keep going. I had the exact same feeling of total panic, urgency, and terror that I had been enduring all day at work. Suddenly, as my sweating hands gripped the steering wheel hard enough to leave fingernail marks behind, it hit me. My prayer. From the night before. It's them, the beings. Whoever they are, they answered. It's Eric's dream. Eric's dream is the answer to the prayer. And the answer is yes, I am one of them. Oh my God. Not over the top at all. That seems like a lot to uh, derive out of a drive in the rain. Out of a momentary momentary skid on a puddle. You know, does he... Ever consider maybe he just suffers from panic attacks? Like if you're just, you know, going about your day and randomly you start freaking the fuck out and thinking you're going to die, maybe maybe go see a doctor. That does seem like a very easily diagnosable, like, panic disorder. As opposed to, I'm an alien. Well, it's one or the other. I guess I either I either have anxiety or I'm an alien. Both start with A, which is close enough for David. Okay, we continue along, and we finally start getting into Law 1. All right, let's go. Uh, So, when Ra eventually reached out to my friend and insider colleague, Corey Good, uh, through a member of its civilization in 2015, it appeared as an eight-foot-tall avian humanoid with blue feathers. This has caused many skeptics online to jeer at us with laughter. <laughs> it sure has, David. It yeah, sure fucking has. It sure has, but that's the reason we're all here. Yep. Uh, this is, uh, let's see, uh, Blue Avians is extremely consistent with the artistic renditions of avian deities from ancient Egypt, Egypt, such as Horus. Ra's remarks about the importance of the hawk symbology in the Law of One 
are only some of the many confirmations they make of their true identity and appearance, since they also claim responsibility for building the Great Pyramid and working with the First Dynasty in Egypt. So that's the Corey Good connection to the Law of One. Okay. Because so- eventually what he uses most of this chunk for is the Law of One as a foundation to almost all of his branches. Yeah, I, I would say that that's the base. From if you which... ever want the real origin story, you yeah. have to go to the Law of One. Now, that shit is repetitive and is probably difficult for anybody else to get through. It's but damn the impossible. The alternate history part's pretty cool. The Law of One is a rough read. It is the, the Finnegan's Wake of the UFO community. Yeah, it's way cooler as a summary than it is reading it. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Um, Let's see. David has more useless fucking dreams. Uh, <laughs> oh, here's another part where David misses the great irony. Um, so he's talking about the book Cosmic Voyager. Uh, triggered a profound shift in my consciousness. By this point, I had read just about every book on UFOlogy that I could find, either from the bookstore or the library. That is becoming... where books come from. Yes, David. Back in the day, for... that was the only place. Yes. <laughs> Poor bastard. He Could you imagine how many books he would have read if he'd had Amazon? Oh, I'm sure he's got a number now. It would have been 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Almost every book seemed to be saying the same things over and over again in an endless repetition. Each new, in quotations, author just combined various pieces of an overall body of data that was already available. Although this was a large body of information beyond the scope that anyone could fit into one book, it was also very finite in its size and depth. So once again, David is aware that people are recycling old material again and again (laughs) to make new books, Yeah, but doesn't see how he does that when at the end of this section, he literally uses a 10-page excerpt from his last book. He, uh, he's like, he's just, he's almost there. He's right there. He can see what's wrong. He just refuses to acknowledge he's part of the problem. Like I said, he gets, he gets, he rubs right up against the wall of understanding and then just yeah, he gets backs rec- away. He gets the recognition, just not self-awareness. It's like it's a electric fence. Like he, he gets close enough to touch it, but it shocks him and he, he can't cross through the fence. He he stays on the side of uh, unawareness. Oh, now he goes into a remote viewing. Now, he believes remote viewing is a hard science. In fact, he says remote viewing is an exact science. I've also tried to do remote viewing. Yes. I am not good at it. <laughs> I am not. You're not as, you're not as a. I'm as not an alien, which yeah. I guess is, is probably helpful. You also don't have that good an imagination. No, I, I tried to do it when I was really stoned. Like, I figured it would help. I but, mean, I guess you could call DMT that, but you have no control. Yeah, no, I had no idea where I was on DMT. Uh, let's see. Cosmic Voyager, however, revealed many new truths about remote viewing and extraterrestrial life. Of course it did. With remote viewing, an ordinary person can be trained to use their innate psychic abilities to accurately describe target locations. Remote viewers also have a guide who tells them where to go and what to explore on site so they don't have to engage their conscious mind in thinking. Both of both of the viewer both the viewer and their guide would have nothing to work off but a series of random number coordinates that someone else had assigned to the target, so there was no possibility of either person influencing the outcome. Despite this double blind setup where one would expect that ordinary human beings were guaranteed to fail, the best remote viewers would guarantee a nearly ninety nine percent success rate in describing their targets. That's bullshit. Electronic That's equipment bullshit. would be used to determine that a person had made a hundred and eighty degree shift in the polarity of voltage 
running through their bodies. That I don't even know what that means. And this signaled that accurate remote viewing could begin. The initial research breakthrough began in the 1982 began in 1982 with the help of legendary psychic Ingo Swan. I was gonna, I was just gonna say I listened to an Ingo Swan interview uh, not too too long ago with old one from uh, Art Bell. Ingo Swan was uh, wrong about a lot of shit too. Uh, for a man who supposedly had 99 percent hit rate, go listen to his uh, last interview with Art Bell and uh, listen to some of his prophecy. Look, even not, a, not so hot. Even a good psychic, ninety nine percent's absurd. Yeah, it's almost like you would actually have to be psychic to have a ninety nine percent hit rate. I could see you having vague psychic abilities, and not, people w- that are talking about shit they know about aren't right ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, I would be. I would consider someone psychic if they had like a seventy percent hit rate. Yeah, I get I get have more I think it's a setup if you get to ninety nine percent. Yeah, most of these guys have like a two percent hit rate. If they're lucky. Yeah. If they're lucky. Uh let's see. According to Dr. Brown, author of the book Cosmic I love his Voyage. Cream soda. <laughs> I'm <a> big fan. <laughs> That's what he had to go to after this failed. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh let's see. Cosmic Voyage, our input from the five sentence senses, as well as logic and imagination, will eventually cease in deep meditation. What remains is a field of consciousness that can be brimming with activity. Uh, continuing on, he says, Dr. Brown is the one who got him into transcendental meditation from reading about the Maharishi effect in a social sciences journal in 1988. As I have discussed in previous volumes, it was discovered that a group of 7,000 trained meditators were somehow able to reduce global war, terrorism, crime, and fatalities by an astonishing 72% just by remaining in a state of meditation. All other potential factors that could have influenced this data, such as weekends, weather, holidays, and the like, were ruled out. Of course. So Everyone it, remembers that. All it takes <laughs> is meditation. That's all you need. That was that was another thing, going back to Art Bell. That was a, a big thing for a while, was like mass meditation, or like the use of the mass consciousness to shift yeah, world events. With that hippy-dippy movement in like the 80s. Yeah, like they were trying to use meditation to put out uh, like forest fires in California. They were, they were trying to like channel everyone's energy into that or some shit. Yeah, I now I don't know how they could possibly have Verified. quantified, yeah. quantified it. Verified it, I know they can't, but I just like quantified it is just interesting alone. Yeah, it's like how about the people who were working on doing that shit got it done? It wasn't you... Like, it wasn't a novel concept to try and stop war. Yeah, that, and it's, it, it, it was 72 hours. Yeah. Like, do it for a year and tell me what <laughs> happens. Maybe I'll listen. Uh, let's see. Continuing on. Dr. Brown's military trainers sent him to remote view the Cydonia area of Mars, where the face and pyramids Richard C. Hoagland had discovered were located. The results came as a total shock to Dr. Brown, who quickly had to adapt to a new reality. He saw a pyramid that was far more massive than anything he had ever seen on Earth, along with people who looked essentially the same as humans from here. Their civilization was being destroyed, much like Pompeii, by a volcano eruption nearby. These people were rescued at the last minute by an extraterrestrial team, and we will explore that story later in this chapter. Ooh. <laughs> <clears throat> Continuing on. Yeah, Dr. Brown's a, finding... A mid-chapter cliffhanger? Multiple times. <laughs> We f- we start getting into actual information here soon. Okay, we, so it only, the dreams start tailing off. All right, yeah. it, it only took a few hundred pages for him to uh, half the book. Okay, <laughs> uh, 
this fit in, they fit in perfectly with everything I was already thinking at the time, learning, dreaming, and reading about. Finally, we had some tangible data about what might have happened on Mars, data that was obtained through a scientific, repeatable process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once yeah. again, his use of the word scientific is uh, very loose. I just love that he thinks remote viewing is like hard science. Like, I'm, no, you can replicate that study. Or that referring to Richard Hoagland is like, that man, that man's a scientist. That's that's a citable work. Yeah, they're building on his profound uh, evidence. Which his evidence is like, hey, man, that shit kind of looks weird. <laughs> hey, man, you think that looks like a face? Is that is that like a fucking pyramid or something? Fuck. That yeah. that was his entire book. Is uh, is that a fucking pyramid or something? What the fuck is that? <laughs> that was the title. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Let's see. According to Dr. Brown... Most remote viewers would begin their training by attending the Monroe Institute in Virginia. Of course. The Monroe Institute yep. had developed a technology called... Lying. Hemisync, <laughs> <laughs> hemisync uh, which utilized sound frequencies to induce out-of-body states of consciousness. This was brought about through playing a tone of, say, 100 cycles per second in one ear and 104 cycles per second in the other ear. This apparently causes a natural beat frequency of four hertz to appear between the two hemispheres of the brain as they try to reconcile the difference. By adjusting the difference between the two sound frequencies, we can coerce the brain into frequency levels that would usually occur only in sleeping and dreaming. By doing this with a guided meditation, the idea was to stay awake at the sound, as the sounds guide you into a state where you would normally be asleep. This apparently makes it much easier to consciously enter into an out-of-body lucid dreaming state. People were apparently having phenomenal success with this at the Monroe Institute, and this was only still only a transitional step to learning remote viewing. Dr. Brown's book also said that remote viewers had greatly debunked, if not completely deflated, the entire field of channeling by scientifically proving that their data was inaccurate. It was stated in the book that most channelers would re were receiving a certain amount of psychic information, but it was tainted with the analytic overlays that came from their conscious mind. Wait a second. Doesn't that create a huge problem? Yeah. Because the law one is an entirely channeled, yeah, book. Yeah, I think David does he address on. that, uh, or just conveniently ignore the fact that channeling is a hundred percent wrong. But the book he bases almost all of his work off of was a channeled work. You know, I don't think he really wants to go there. <laughs> I, I, I can see why. It's a, it's a pretty big fucking plot hole. I think he kind of just lets it go. Yeah, Although, that's... Uh, it's also funny for a dude who specializes in, specializes in remote viewing to be like, no, nah, that channeling shit's bullshit. They always do it. They All these people hate each other. Yeah, I've learned one thing from following the UFO community. They all fucking hate each other. Yeah, only one of them can be right. Yeah, everyone just thinks everyone else is a fucking liar, and they're the ones who deserve credit for all the research. It's it's a very catty community. It's it's uh, high school-esque. Yeah, it's definitely very clicky. Which is funny, because they're all nerds. Huge nerds. So it's like nerds forming high school cliques. Yeah, but then there's like the cool... No, you got your like Jacques Vallée and yeah. uh, Richard, or not Richard Hoagland, uh, uh, I don't know, the other fucking dude. Graham Hancocks and whatnot. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, the Midwayers. The most exciting example of Dr. Brown's leaked intel about extraterrestrials was in his chapter entitled Subspace Helpers. The data was acquired in a remote viewing session from October 2nd, 1993. Military intelligence community apparently had a name for the angelic human ETs 
I had seen in so many dreams, now including those of my housemate Eric. They called these human-looking ETs the Midwayers. Although the term Midwayers came from a popular channeled work known as the Urantia Book, Dr. Brown pointed out that his own remote viewing research concluded that this book contained false and manipulative information <laughs> interspersed with truth, truthful information. Yeah. An example of Dr. Brown, or example of this is uh, what Dr. Brown considered to be false information was the idea that reincarnation is not a genuine phenomenon. Dr. Brown had a wealth of remote viewing data not published in a book that unequivocally suggested that reincarnation was a basic fact of life. I would soon find that the Law of One series shared the same opinion about the Urantia book as we see in Session 14, Question 30. This would prove to be one of hundreds of d different correlations between the Law of One series, Dr. Brown's material, and so many other works I had studied. So I'd never heard the term midwayers before, so that's Me interesting. Neither. So that, at least we got one new thing out of uh, yeah out of this so far. Some more info. Uh, a bit later on, Dr. Brown said the midwayers never assume physical form in our own waking reality. Although their destiny is close to human physical destiny, and their bodies are just out of range of our physical bodies to perceive them. Gotcha. That's, once again, very convenient. So they're pretty much like people without bodies. So they're ghosts, I guess. Well, isn't they kind of say they they exist on like a different like, plane? Yeah, different so they're, plane. They're here, but they're in a different dimension that yeah. we can't perceive. So they're they're, they're all like, around us, but, but they're like attached to us as like our yeah, helpers. Like we we just were we don't possess the physical capability to see their realm. Yes. Now, uh, continuing on, the mid the midwayers look precisely the same as the group calling themselves the Anshar which contacted Corey Good beginning in 2016. When we ran out of content and needed more episodes <laughs> of Cosmic Disclosure. Another key clue that these people are very human in nature came in Chapter 17 from a session done on September 11th, 1994. Dr. <laughs> Brown remote-viewed the creation of various TV episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. He, was, <laughs> he saw information being planted into the mind of a writer on the show through his dreams. Well, I think we found the greatest tragedy ever to occur on September 11th. Yes, we did. There's a new record holder. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, move over. Move over, Muhammad Atta. We got Star Trek. There's a new sheriff in town. Uh, this, the information was coming to this man through an implant he had received from a gray-type extraterrestrial. This certainly indicated that the story of the Greys was far more complex than the malevolent evil they were usually portrayed as having in the movies. It mirrored what I had read in The Watchers while I was on the train to Colorado and back. Dr. Brown ended up exploring this particular group in quite some detail throughout the book. The, import, the implant monitored this writer's thoughts and introduced new ideas to him on a regular basis, particularly while he was asleep. <laughs> Dr. Brown's remote viewing indicated that being we see in Star Trek and other such shows are not portrayed strictly accurately in terms of how they look. The greater purpose of these shows is simply to acclimate us to the new ideas over time. Dr. Brown also observed that the producers of the initial Star Trek series in the 1960s were being directly assisted outside their immediate visible 3D space by ten or more human-looking beings who were wearing white, luminous robes. He then said the <laughs> subspace beings in this structure are former human beings. I am also seeing that they are closely working with the Greys on an Earth project relating to physical humans. This, the key that jumped out at me at this point, once again, was the idea that these angelic midwayers were, in fact, former human beings. All right. That was, that's a lot to fucking digest right there. That's, yeah. that's, so, uh, hold on. Uh, Star Trek, Star Trek was some sort of psyop piloted it, by aliens in order to do a soft disclosure 
Yes. So he's discussed this before in other instances, particularly with Marvel. Right. Where these were real concepts being shot into people's brains. Right. So they wouldn't like totally freak out when they come out to be true. Yes. So so they were they were grooming us like Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> so this guy used his imaginary make-believe powers and found out that imaginary make-believe people were essentially co-producing Star Trek. I wonder uh, if they got like writers credits. Aliens were co-producing Star so Trek. So aliens yes. are co-producing Star Trek in order f- for to us set to... up disclosure, I guess. Okay. Everyone keep that in mind as we continue on. <laughs> yeah. Now, once again, when you go back and watch some of these old shows, you see where some of these people got their ideas. Star Trek is them giving us information. It's just a direct, it's like a museum, I guess. They're just passing along ancient knowledge. They're showing you what's true. It's like if we, it's like if Christopher Columbus had showed up in America and went to the natives and gave him like a screenplay. <laughs> that like the white man was coming. And this this is about uh, this is how this is gonna play out. You know those ships you saw on that TV show? Those are real. So they the aliens they gave us the playbook. Yeah. I guess they're or so, we're attempting to. Yeah, and so we're gonna continue with the research of Doctor Brown. And All right, now he's we, been talking about Doctor Brown, uh, like a lot. Like can't a, talk lot, about a do- lot. Can't <laughs> talk about Doctor White. <laughs> Brown Lives Matter. He's he's been citing the same book for the last thirty minutes. We've been talking about it. Yeah, as most of the rest of the chapter is him in Law of One. Okay. Um, which I mean, I guess you can't call David a fraud if it's not his research, right? Yeah, he was just, duped. He's simply citing someone else's work. Uh, let's see. There's no mention of ascension anywhere in Cosmic Voyage. But Dr. Brown did have a highly intriguing set of data regarding the idea that human beings from our own time frame, such as the American, such as Americans, would soon end up being relocated to a new planet in the nearby Pleiades star cluster. Uh, if we correlate this with his trainer, Major, e- Major Ed Dames' often cited report of a coming solar flash, this relocation could oh. be seen as some type of cosmic Noah's Ark plan. Oh, the solar flash... Yeah, he tries to. I can't. I can't take the solar flash anymore, guys. It's been. It's been since the '90s. Yeah, he tries to save 2012 again too. Oh, does he try and explain why he was uh, wrong? Wrong yeah. as fuck. Yeah. Now the one uh, before we get to that, what I've heard is they say 2012. They misread it. It wasn't the year the world was going to end. It was the year that put into motion the events that would bring about the end of the world. Yeah, that's pretty much how he spins it. Okay, that's uh, I mean that's how I would spin it too if I got yeah. the number. I I did see him giving a speech once, and he talked about being wrong about 2012, and his his reasoning was he was just like guys, the evidence was so good that I just I can't <laughs> believe I was wrong. I don't it know was, how to explain it. Yeah, it's like no, everything I read, everything it pointed to that it, it was it was rock solid. I couldn't have come to any other conclusion. That's pretty much what he said. Yeah. Which maybe, you know, if that's the case, start questioning your sources. Yeah, so Dr. Brown talks about the Galactic Federation. Fuck yes. Let's Uh, fucking go. In his remote viewing session, he perceived himself entering a towering structure that had energetic, bright white and blue yellow lights. 
uh, he noticed an energy vortex encircling a round object in the center of the room, which he feels may have been a planet, or at least a holographic projection of such an image. Like Star Wars. Yeah. He could smell ammonia in the air. The many beings in the facility were all bald, humanoid, and wore white gowns. It felt like a Zen monastery, and they communicated both verbally and telepathically. Dr. Brown was welcomed by a president or prime minister of this group and felt this was a highly competitive job. Dr. Brown was told that Earth human representation on the council was beginning now. The head being was wearing a bluish-white gown and was a bit heavyset. He was somber, but had a definite sense of humor, which together made him appear like Buddha. The identification of this being as Buddha was introduced into Dr. Brown's mind, apparently to help facilitate greater communication. This does not necessarily mean that this being actually was Buddha, merely that it took the form to help Dr. Brown feel more comfortable. Okay. I think that happens in a Simpsons episode, too, where Homer uh, is speaking to a ghost that takes the form of Colonel Clank or something, so he, he can be more familiar with it. Yeah, it's like some uh, fucking the Ghosts of Christmas Past shit. Yeah, Ebenezer Scrooge-type uh, instrumental. No, yeah. uh, it's it's I, it's exhausting is what this is. This yeah. is It's fucking, it's exhausting yeah. to have... Because now this guy is going to say he's the representative of the Galactic Federation. But obviously we now know Corey is our current representative of the Galactic Federation. Well, this was the first instance of humans being allowed into the Federation. Right. So this is before... I think this dude's also dead. Well... So he can't refute anything. (laughs) That's always convenient. You would think someone bestowed with the powers of uh, being... Earth's representative in the greater universe. Um, I don't know. That feels like an, a, a mortal type position. Like, yeah, that seems pretty important. Like his soul should probably still be on staff if Corey's walking around the ship. Like they should know each other. Yeah, you'd think they'd be able to keep him alive pretty long too. Also, isn't that a job that requires the 20 and back program? So it's a, they're all age regressed. So shouldn't he technically still only appear physically as the age he was when he was sent to do Well, so Dr. Dr. Brown is doing all this through remote viewing. Oh, right. He doesn't actually actually... go anywhere. Okay. Yeah, he's just imagining it. Corey Good actually goes places. Corey Good wears an officer. He's got fucking stripes. Yeah, this guy guy just imagines things and then writes books about them. Yes. Which is how you write books, but it's typically fiction That's books. That's how you write a certain type of book. Yeah, that's one uh, way to do it. So then going on, David, eventually, I do believe that even though the 2012 end date came and went, we are still very much heading toward a solar system-wide multidimensional shift in our near future. Shocking. Uh, it seems that humans migrated here to this new world in the Pleiades star cluster. So I guess they're already moving. They'd already moved previous incarnations of us to this cluster uh-huh i believe some from mars but okay. uh as the session went on the grays contacted dr brown directly and started trying to feed him information faster than he could handle as he tried to process all the information he said the following the people on this new world are from earth the grays brought them here they have been transplanted the humans do not know everything they do not even know where they are when dr brown asked the reason for this uh, uh, you stupid page. Oh, no. The no, book is fighting Dr. back. Brown. Dr. <laughs> Brown's fighting me karmically. Now we'll never know the end. Uh, when Dr. Brown asked the reason why this happened, the response was, human survival is at stake. 
A new location is needed away from Earth's climactic disasters. The Greys went on to tell him that they were transplanting our genetic material to ensure our survival with a better, more advanced gene pool. They added new or modified genes to increase the connections between our spirit and physical bodies. Oh, cool. So it's like a Cyberpunk 2020. You can mod your body. Yeah, they're just fucking coming in. They're cutting a little DNA there, yeah, snipping little, one here, insert there. little psychic here, little telekinesis there. A little cut the racism out here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as the session continued, Dr. Brown discovered that this new place was a Class M planet orbiting a binary star system sometime shortly after 2000 AD. Dr. Brown also said it seems that some humans will be space-lifted to a safe haven while the rest of humanity slugs it out back home. Space-lifted? Uh, uh, does that just mean, like, float? Uh, I think they're getting abducted and taken somewhere else. Space-lifted? Okay, I've never heard, uh, I've never heard that phrase before. That's a, it's a new one. Yes, he, can, he uh, compares it similar to uh, the people who graduate into fourth density in this apparently multidimensional event do get to remain on Earth as it transforms into a fourth-density planet. Oh, so cool. those of us who ascend on Earth get to stay here, but the other guys are getting taken to... To Pleiades system somewhere. Yeah, whatever open borders country they have. <laughs> yeah, whatever shitty uh, border security planet is floating around in Pleiades. Okay, now we talk about Gray's Jesus. Uh, another interesting <laughs> piece of information occurred when Dr. Brown was apparently able to connect with a being he identified as Jesus. In a session from June, 19, June 14, 1994, Dr. Brown admitted that he felt very disturbed about the idea that there could be anything good about the Greys. Once he got the opportunity to meet this Jesus-like being, the question of the Greys was very much on his mind. According to Dr. Brown, the being identified as Jesus said there is no being that humans will interact with that is not of his design. He then stated that we are here to help this, his children however they come to us. Brown did not understand what this means. For starters, the passage suggests that the identity of Jesus is actually a galactic consciousness. The Law of One, which I would begin reading immediately after Dr. Brown's book, <laughs> very clearly revealed the same concept, albeit with a slightly veiled code. All right, can I, I just have to point out that we are we're doing a, a podcast about a book, and currently that book is summarizing a book. So we're doing mm -hmm. a summary of a book that's currently doing a summary of a book. And that, it's, that will tie in another summary of a book. So we're essentially, we're at this point, we're just grading David Wilcox's book reports. Yeah. Like, he's not, he hasn't really added much to this. He's... No, there is no new information Everything at all. you've been reading for 30 plus minutes has been, according to Dr. Brown, or Dr. Brown states, in his book, Dr. Brown... Yeah. So, yeah. uh, David, but, David. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, so they've decided that uh, Jesus is uh, pretty much just like the universe, I guess, and he manifests. Once again, that, that's one of the least crazy things. I'll, I'll, yeah. I can vibe with that. Later in Dr. Brown's book, the, the being identified Shocking. as Jesus was, going. <laughs> was asked if non-Christians would still need to call on the name of Jesus to reach their full evolutionary potential. They're not really human. The being seemed genuinely <laughs> upset demons. and frustrated by this question. Quite forcefully, he stated that a name is nothing. Everything depends on personality development, and this includes the development of a deep ability to both perceive and love beyond the self. So, uh... David is pretty much saying, you can believe in Jesus, you just don't have to call him Jesus. Which, okay, it seems like a really circuitous route to not be religious. Yeah. 
especially for once again the guy who's starting a religion um or at least uh, according to youtuber Stino Bobina is starting a religion i don't want to be uh, responsible because i believe Stino Bobina is being sued by uh, one Mr. Wilcock currently, so I don't want to... That's just because she, she blew the secret. Yeah. He had a whole reveal planned. Yeah, I'd like to not have a David Wilcock sue... Well, actually, that's a lie. I'd, I'd be okay with him suing me because they would have to play these tapes during during the fucking trial. Also... And that would be the funniest fucking thing to ever happen <laughs> in a courtroom, is we get to listen to, according to Dr. Brown, you have to you have to transcend to the fourth dimension. Like, Your Honor, these men are slandering yeah. me. Your Honor, uh, I couldn't slander David if I tried. I, I couldn't, yeah, I could not be... I think this... I think some... Out of it. I think there was a lawyer who argued that in one of the Alex Jones cases... Like that, you couldn't actually libel Alex Jones because he's Alex Jones. He's, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a fair point. It's, it's kind of a fair point. Like, if a guy is going to write a book and he says Star Trek was written by aliens to expose us to their technology, well, that's what would be so fun about a lawsuit is he'd have to provide discovery and he'd have to <laughs> prove that we were doing this not only knowing it was false, yeah, but with malintent. Yeah. So he'd have to prove that he was correct. And as we've repeatedly stated, there is no malintent here. Our intent no. is simply to enjoy your book, which I am. I'm enjoying the shit out of I'm it. I'm enjoying it. Uh, it hurts my brain sometimes when I try and think too much about it. But that's because I'm not an ascended being. So uh, d- shout out Stina Bobina. Uh, keep fighting, girl. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't lose <laughs> the lawsuit. <laughs> Make him show the documents. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, when I then thought back to my original NASA disclosure, the insider said they had identified three types of beings. The tallest was a human Ooh. type. <laughs> God, I wish. You got you got white guys. You got, you got black. <laughs> you got all sorts. You got three colors. Yeah. It would be, he would just put, you got N-words and yeah. you got C-words. Uh, let's see. The tallest was a human type that looked very similar but not identical to us. The next tallest of them was a physiologically authentic gray. The shortest of the three types was a being wearing a sophisticated helmet that made it look like it was a gray, but underneath the helmet, its actual face was a monstrosity. This uh-huh. strongly suggested that the facial, facial features were of a reptilian appearance instead. Interesting. So we've got the grays, the tall ones, and, and the reptilians. We, and then we got the short little ones who wear helmets. Yes. Perhaps the closer, the closest we ever got in mainstream media to an admission of Dr. Mack's research, this is uh, Dr. Mack who cataloged and summarized dozens of UFO contactee reports. Dr. Mack is also a good pimp name. Yeah, that's is. <laughs> the not, return of the Mack. Not that's, a bad rap name either. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Mack. Uh, let's see. Regarding his abduction research, it said in the 1990s, Dr. Mack studied dozens of people. Also sp- a big fan of the Big Mac. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's who. That's actually what he's named yes, for. Yes, it's Dr. Dr. Mack. Also what he died of. Clint <laughs> uh, uh, Culminate said they had such contact with aliens culminating in his book, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens in 1994. In it, he focused less on whether aliens were real than on the spiritual side effects of perceived encounters arguing that the abduction phenomenon has important philosophical, spiritual, and social impacts for everyone. I mean, that's that's true I, to some extent, yes. I guess. When I considered all this data as a whole, I speculated that if a certain type of future humans 
who now looked like greys, were conducting vital planet-saving operations, their negative and demonic ET opponents would most definitely want to interfere with their mission. Uh, Christians and other religious people may come to see greys and all other extraterrestrial life as strictly demonic, and some of them definitely do. Once again, this could be another example of divide and conquer, where other people who look different from us are demonized as the other. In Dr. Brown's session from June 14, 1994, the being appearing as Jesus also said there should be no limits to our desire to help others, whether greys oh. or people from Mars or whoever. No Limit Records was founded around that time. Master P spoke with gray aliens. Master P, what number of letters had in the, in the alphabet? <laughs> yeah. The P was for Palladian. <laughs> his master, master Palladian in his fucking... No, I knew there was something extraterrestrial about his yeah. music. Make him say, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... That's the national anthem of the Palladians. <laughs> that was written by the Anshar to disclose what their language was. Ugh. Okay, if Dr. Brown was right, then the people from Mars... It's a big fucking if. Well, you know. It's a big fucking if. You don't get to jump off a cliff without taking some leaps. Yeah. Can't spell uh, cliff without if. <laughs> if Dr. Brown was right, then the people from Mars were our own long-lost brothers and sisters. They were very close to being human-like, only taller. Dr. If he Br was wrong, he was a fucking retard. It would be fun if he actually yeah, presented it, the uh, the other end of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, where if he was uh, off about this, he just he was, is a lunatic. He was ridiculed for the rest of his days. <laughs> As he should have been. Uh, let's see. They're very close to us, only taller. Dr. Brown's first ever ET-related remote viewing session revealed that larger numbers of the Martian civilization went through a series of gray abduction-type genetic procedures prior to the destruction of their planet and that their genetic materials and souls were later transferred into new bodies on Earth. So we're all Martians. Man, which... Either we are or we aren't. Like, we, we can't... David can't be special in being an alien if we're all aliens. Yeah, it kind of does, like, what makes you special, David, if we're all aliens? Well, he... He can scoop rice precisely. <laughs> that's that's really what sets him apart. His, his ultimate ability, superhero ability. His he, ability to scoop rice and look at the clock at at the same time and, and add those numbers together like some weird circus act from the nineteen thirties. <laughs> In a past it, life, David was a circus monkey. Yeah, he was one of those horses where they get them to stomp their feet when uh, they do math. Da, 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 da. Everybody come check out the local <laughs> lunatic. We got come him in one, a cage. Come all. You can throw bananas to him. See the five-headed monster. Five, five, five. It's a sign. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. At a certain point in their history, the people of Mars experienced an extremely rapid advancement in technology. Not long after this, their civilization collapsed. Many of the people died in this catastrophe, and some were rescued, but they did not necessarily like the terms. Dr. Brown again observed that a race of smaller, shorter beings arrived, and they were on a mission. Highly motivated, they worked with speed and urgency. Dr. Brown said the short beings are here as the first stage of a larger project. I get the sense that they are packaging everything. He observed these beings were greys. With packaging? Short yeah, like packaging like, hum human souls, I guess. Okay. Because he keeps calling them abductions, which doesn't have a good connotation to it, but he's no. implying that it's good. All right. Well, I guess, yeah, they're being transferred to where the aliens want to bring us. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Okay. It feels like the short beings are planning on the Martians getting a physical change in their bodies, and they're being put in cold storage for a while. So, putting them on chill. Literally putting them on ice. Just, yeah. 
hang you know. out for a minute. We'll we'll get you we'll get you a new body soon. Yeah, we gotta get these savages to stop blowing each other up <laughs> yeah. first. Uh, let's see. Continuing on, the data would later prove to correlate almost perfectly with what I gathered from the Law of One series, as well as from insiders like Corey Good. The only difference is that appa- is the that the apparent time of this catastrophe was five hundred thousand years ago, whereas Doctor Brown had initially felt it was a million. It was millions of years ago. <laughs> You know, 500,000 million. Couple million. Who the fuck knows? Who knows? I've always found that funny to be like, you think Mars got turned into that in 500,000 years? Is That's uh, quite a lot to wipe away just any trace of anything. A few, few million years? Maybe. It's all so preposterously, like, it's all so over-the-top ridiculous that it's hard to say anything is... Oh, this is definitely the part where we get into things that are so uh, fabricated they can't be proven, can't be proven true or false. Yeah, the, the, well, that's the thing. Like, none of this... You, you can't possibly provide evidence either it's direction. Reli- it's religion. You either believe it or you don't. Exactly. So, uh... Everyone hold hands as we take our leap of faith. Yeah. While speaking in summary about this fascinating planet-to-planet transfer within our own solar system, Dr. Brown said virtually all remote viewing data show that the Martians seem to have been genetically altered to enable them to live in the heavier gravity in different conditions on Earth. The actual alteration occurred recently, following a period of preservation, and is not yet complete. (laughs) We got some incomplete Martians on Earth who can't quite handle gravity. Look, they're still tabulating the science, all right? It's not that exact. I guess you gotta you gotta tinker with the the CRISPR system and I just like that they have an ad, an advanced uh advancement in technology and then immediately their civilization collapses. It's a metaphor for like what we're going through now, man. Cause like if if the end game of every civilization is like you figure out how to build a plane and then you build a bomb and that's it. And then just collapses everything. Yeah. Like just sentience can't help itself but blowing shit up. Or we our mission is to fucking seek and destroy. <laughs> I mean, with monkey brains, it makes sense. Yeah, you, you burn it all the fucking ground and start over again. Maybe reptilians are a bit more calculating. Perhaps. Now, I like the idea of the greys as humans from the future who fucked the planet up so bad. <laughs> they had to go back and try and fix it. That they it. had to come back and go, what the fuck went wrong? Yeah. It, looked, it used to look like this? <laughs> what the fuck? Because that actually... In the realms of plausibility in this arena, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. When when looked at through the lens of what I I don't even know what to call this uh, monstrosity. Yeah, it really is like it's uh a, it's uh discombobulating. Like it it's disorienting. Yeah, it's intense. I I I'm struggling to find the proper words to convey what it's doing to me. Yeah. It's it's worse than drugs. It really is, because at least I know what I'm getting with drugs. I don't know what I'm getting with this. Yeah. And I don't know where it's going. It's all just... I don't really know where it's going. Gobbledygook. And I read it. Yeah, it's all just fucking nonsense. Uh, let's see. Now we're bringing in the Law of One again. Ra said the people of Mars were being manipulated somewhat, where they were preserved by a type of birthing which is non-reproductive, but consists of preparing genetic material for incarnation. This therefore gives us much greater insight into the phenomenon of abduction and the sampling of genetic material. We are seeing how an entire planet worth of beings can be preserved and reintroduced on a new planet if the world they are living in is damaged in some way. This is not the same as simply cloning human beings, because in this, in this case, genetic modification can also be made in order to adapt people to different atmosphere, 
gravitational strength, height, sunlight, intensity, etc. So they're like growing Martians in the lab. But they're not new people. They're essentially... They're, they're like, like regrowing people. They're like mechs. Yeah, I guess and you like... you just insert the soul into the, the yeah, shell. I guess the, that's the best way to put it, is they harvested the souls, and they got them all stored in like a tank. Yeah. And then you gotta like make the body and then like shoot the soul in it. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm following. Uh, let's see. Continuing on. In Chapter 16 of Cosmic Voyage, Dr. Brown remote viewed the collapse of the early gray civilization he was studying. He once again noticed that they were being genetically packaged before a coming collapse. Their civilization was seduced on a collective level by an arrogant, rebellious, and very powerful leader. They later felt betrayed, but the damage was too far gone. They had to recover from scratch. This arrogant leader had a spiritual connection to a being that Dr. Brown identified as Lucifer. He turned into Lucifer as a very insecure, fearful being, afraid of its own inevitable death, and the punishment that it knew would then result. Dr. Brown's results indicated that the Greys may have voluntarily eliminated their sexuality and emotions to avoid the damage that had been caused by the influence of this non-physical being. So they f- literally fucked their civilization away. Man, this is, uh, this is getting really fucking hard to track. Yeah. So Satan caused the Greys to become asexual. So Satan is a non <laughs> Satan is a non-physical entity. Right. That influenced the Grey civilization to stop fucking. No, to start over fucking. They got Oh, too much fucking. Opulent. Yes. They, okay. That's why the Greys cut their dicks off and then removed their emotions cuz <laughs> Satan was using their penises to manipulate them and their emotions to make them emotional. Okay, so that's that's why they so they did stop fucking. Yes, but it's because Satan was making them fuck too much to prevent, and he was doing that to try and extend his life because he knew once yeah once they stop like giving him spiritual energy, I guess he dies. Yeah, so Satan's got to feed off the 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 the, the negative karma, I guess. The, the and fucking we're energy. Getting, we're getting into densities here. I don't know what density fucking is in. I would assume. Fifth? I don't, yeah, so Satan needs people to fuck to continue living so he doesn't have to face uh, the wrath of death, I guess. Yeah, I don't exactly know how a non-physical entity dies, but I guess it does. Well, keep fucking for Satan. That's yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> I don't know. That's the message. Everybody fuck for Satan. Let's see. Continuing on with Dr. Brown. Uh, Jesus Christ. All right. Hold on. How... Literally, how many pages have we been on Dr. Brown? Uh, it's got to be close to 50 or 60 at this point. Let's see. Two, seven, no, 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 like, no, 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 back, back, back. It's, it's been almost this entire fucking episode. Yeah, it's been like 30 pages at least. <laughs> He's taken 30 pages of another. This is like if I just wrote a book. And like if I just took uh, a tale of two cities and put quotation marks around the first sentence and the last sentence yeah. and then just put that John Johnson wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's quoting all this information, but he's not adding ex- much to it. Yeah. He's not building on it. He's just giving you background information. Yeah. He's just reprinting part of someone else's book. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. In this session, the being identifying as Jesus thanked him for showing up on his own. The being said that the greys are God's children and no less valuable than those we call human. The great ev- greater evolutionary goal for Earth humans working with them involves merging with the Creator in some way. Dr. Brown turned into this group of gray- turned into this group of greys in the far future. 
By this point, they had become more human-looking and had learned to love once again. They all now had a type of spiritual energy, similar to what we had seen in other positive beings. Dr. Brown said the being he felt was Jesus had a sense of command or authority, whereas these beings just radiated love without the other component. Oh, man, how bummed were they when they learned to love again and then realized they chopped all their cocks off? They are probably really fucking bummed. <laughs> Goddamn, we, we, got, uh, we I, were a little little too soon on pulling that trigger. We got too hasty. We uh, we didn't think this went all the way through. Yeah, we're not trying to judge non-binary folks, but cutting your penis off is the uh, that's the point of no return. Well, listen, if you're cutting your penis off because you think you're a woman, that's one thing. If you're cutting that's your true. penis off because you're Lu- trying to stop Lucifer, because from- Lucifer's <laughs> talking to you and manipulating <laughs> you too much. Yeah, that's that's a different realm. That's uh, yeah. That's almost a sacrifice to Satan by cutting your dick off. It is. Cutting your dick off to fight Satan is a completely different uh, conversation. Look, folks, I've been telling you for years (laughs) that they were trying to get you to cut your own dick off. (laughs) Lucifer wants you neutered. He wants your man to have no balls. It does kind of make sense now if you think about it. If he thinks Satan feeds off of... If we could kill Satan by preventing all the wrongs of the world... It does make sense in its own twisted, nonsensical way. There's it makes a, sense in a nonsensical way. Yeah, there's an there's a logic to it that I can follow, at least. Logic being used in this realm. Generously. Yes. It, Let's see. Uh, <laughs> this is another one of the ironic parts. No way for me to replicate Dr. Brown's research. According to Dr. Brown, yeah. the only way that one could continue in this type of work and become a representative for the Galactic Federation. Was to pay him $5,000. Oh, no, no. <laughs> was to engage and complete a study of remote viewing in exactly the same way he had done. <laughs> and unfortunately, in order to carry out this study in the way Dr. Brown required, it would, necessi- it would necessitate an investment of at least eight to $10,000. Oh, I, I low-balled it. There was a three-step process that he said was vital to developing their ability, <laughs> which was a description of how he himself had gotten there. Step one was to take transcendental meditation all the way through to the most advanced level, called the city. Step two was to go to the Monroe Institute in Faber, Virginia, and take the Farsight Voyager course. Step three was to then go to Brown's own university in Atlanta, Georgia, and pay $5,000 for a one-week course in remote viewing. Wait, so I nailed the $5,000. Another $5,000. Yeah. So $15,000. All right. You know what? I'm I'm just going to say I'm psychic. There's been a lot of shit I've I've called in these last few episodes. It's apparently a really lucrative grift. I I know the way the mind of a crazy person works. Like uh I I I live within that. You're going to have to come up with like a pseudonym for this. I don't yeah, uh I guess crazy people just all act the same. You you know where they're going. And yeah. it's in this realm it always leads to you got to cough over a couple thousand dollars if you want to see some aliens. Yeah, the remote viewing guys really charge a premium. I mean, if they if you actually believe, like if you were a That's guy true. who taught that. That's true. If you and really you, thought you're giving someone this kind of knowledge. Yes, if I really thought I would be able to fucking fly through time and space with my soul to talk to aliens, I would gladly figure out a way to come up with the money. Yeah. But when you know you're full of shit and you're charging someone fucking $14,000 to uh, learn how to do this. It's a lot of fucking money. Ooh. And this is in the 90s. Yeah. Let's see. He brings uh, 
Edgar Casey back into this. It's about time. Uh, discuss- discussing the quote-unquote sleeping prophet. Yes, of course. <laughs> Casey's process was obviously very similar to remote viewing. Instead of using a pair of random numbers as coordinates, Casey's sleeping mind used the name and address of a person and nothing else. I realized that it is all too common for highly intelligent people to form cliques, thinking their group has all the answers and everyone else is too unsophisticated to understand or appreciate what <laughs> they're doing. Once again, the irony. Yes. They build up a world of jargon and gradually become elitist, to the point where any outsiders who attempt to enter the world might be unfairly judged. You can see this in fine art, ballet, theater, classical music, jazz music, or classical rock. in prof- my fucking life. Yeah, you and- can see it in David Wilcock's life over the last five years. Yeah. Once again, the irony is lost on David. Yes, of this the fact sentence. that he formed his super clique of alien contactees he created his own field of study that yeah. has jargon and and verbiage that's all his own yes and he denigrates outsiders and trying he to was come an in. elitist yeah yeah once again he's he's on the periphery of of making some real personal discoveries he's so close to uh self-revelation but self-revelation requires the annihilation of the self and i think his self is too big to be annihilated for it's the time a, being, it's a yes. monolith it's the, a fucking I guess until his prophecies are up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Now we get some uh, Bigfoot action. Fuck yeah. Furthermore, the Law of One gives additional information that Dr. Brown did not obtain in his remote viewing sessions by revealing that the same planet-hopping transfer process happened with a world known as Maldek, which exploded through an act of war and became the asteroid belt. Okay. The former inhabitants of Maldek had greater karma to work off than the people of Mars, and thus they incarnated here as Bigfoot-type creatures. These bodies had self-imposed limitations of form, which allowed them to work off the karma of having destroyed their planet. This, again, may cause some people to laugh in disbelief, and that is fine. Many people have had encounters with Bigfoot-type creatures, and if our governments were consistently telling the truth, one of many significant questions the public would want answers to would be to explore what these beings are and where they originated from. Amen. Preach it, David. The group decision for the people of Maldek was to place upon itself a type of what you may call karma alleviation. For this purpose, they came into incarnation within your planetary sphere in what were not acceptable human forms. The karmic alleviation mechanism was designed by the placement of this consciousness in second-dimensional physical chemical complexes, which are not able to be dexter... Jesus Christ. Which are not able to be (laughs) dexterous or manipulative to the extent which is appropriate to the workings of the third-density distortions of the mind complex. Put more simply, the Bigfoot body is more ape-like than human-like, and it therefore does not allow them to work with tools and develop advanced technology. You know what that paragraph read like? That's uh... So that was a quote from The Law of One, and if you want to know why that shit's hard to get through, it's because it reads like that. I thought that was uh, just David, but I was going to say, that sounds like someone took Adderall and broke out a thesaurus and just tried to write about Bigfoot. Yeah, the fucking law one gets so circuitous that it's it's in, it's difficult to fo- to follow at times. It's unnecessarily verbose and repetitive. Yeah, uh, it was revealed that two that fully two billion souls have now transferred to Earth from Maldek through this process. We've had two billion Bigfoot here. Two billion. Yep, that's a lot of fucking big feet. And you thought the Mexicans were getting in in record numbers. <laughs> we need to stop the Bigfoots. Folks, folks, these Bigfoots are not sending their best. In fact, they're sending their biggest. Yeah, who need the most karmic, uh, in this content, or context rather, like, carrying karma means they, they got some negative. They fucked their planet yeah, up. Like, yeah, like, they gotta they, work off some uh, bad, bad yeah, karma. They're from the asteroid belt. That was their planet. They blew their planet up. 
So they got turned into monkeys again. Big monkeys, though. Yeah, big monkeys. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, if, if it seems hard to believe we could have such a large Bigfoot population, we must remember that multiple insiders have independently disclosed the honeycomb earth model, where there are vast numbers of habitable passages inside the earth. There are various cave entrances that allow direct access to these inner worlds, which the Bigfoot creatures apparently know very well. All right, so now no more hollow earth. Now we're honeycomb earth. Honeycomb earth. So little patches okay. here and there, which I guess is more realistic probably. Yeah. Still not at all right, but I guess, yeah, more realistic than I mean, I guess completely if, hollow earth. Yeah, I guess like it depends on how deep you think this is going. Like if it's 10 feet beneath the surface, that's just a cave. But why Why would big feet live in the middle of the earth? Wouldn't they need to like go out and forage and get berries or uh, food? Or Well, I think that's when we see them occasionally. I think uh-huh. they've kind of been, like, banished. I think this is, like, where they're trapped until their karma's paid off. So they're, they're okay. All right, just so to realign, to reset, uh, to try and keep this straight in my head, we went, Star Trek showed us a bunch of aliens uh-huh. that are real. Now, those aliens also worked with a planet full of Bigfoots, who fucked up their planet, uh-huh. and now two billion Bigfoots had to come to Earth uh-huh. to hide in the semi-hollowed-out Earth to work off their negative karma. Yeah, yeah, you're up, you're up to date. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's, <clears throat> let's see. Keep going then. The idea of the descendants of Malnec- Maldek incarnating within the Earth was also indicated in ses- session six. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Sesame Street. Coming soon. Oh, I'd love <laughs> yeah. to watch a Sesame Street breakdown of uh, the Law of One. The letter of the day is one one one. The synchronicity of the day is. Where's the count? Yeah, one one one. 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 Oh, it must be a synchronicity. Uh, let's see. Uh, these entities destroying their planetary sphere, thus were forced to find room for themselves upon this third density, which is the only one in your solar system at their time space present, which was hospitable and capable of offering the lessons necessary to decrease their mind-body-spirit distortions with respect to the Law of One. The ones who are harvested to your sphere from the sphere known before its dissolution as other names, but to your people's as Maldek, incarnated, many within your Earth's surface rather than upon it. So they incarnated in the middle of the Earth, not on top of it. Gotcha. So there's like hives of big feet. Yeah. Very, kind of like a like ant clans. colony. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, okay. So Massive we got, ants. We got ant colonies of Bigfoots roaming around underneath us. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, <clears throat> Law of One continues. The source of Law of One explained that it was the highest level extraterrestrial consciousness to ever directly deal with human beings like us. At sixth den- density, Ra was fully two quantum leaps in evolution ahead of the typical fourth density extraterrestrials we should see flying in crafts in our skies. Ra was operating at the same level as the higher self that was apparently orchestrating the dreams and synchronicities that I and others like me were having. Ra was orchestrating? Yeah, Ra was pulling all the strings. So he was the the puppet master. He was the Don. Don Ra Uh pulling the the strings. The so-called dreaming contains a great deal, which if made available to the conscious mind and used, shall aid it in polarization to a great extent. There is what might be called a partial vocabulary of the dreams, Due to the common heritage of all mind-body-spirit complexes, due to each entity's unique incarnational experiences, there is an overlay which grows to be a larger and larger proportion of the dream vocabulary as the entirety gains experience. 
Man, I really wish David would have summarized this. I this wish- is, him, try- <laughs> I this was- is him trying to summarize it. And honestly, he takes entire chunks of this that I've just had to skip because it's impossible to fucking read out loud. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, when you're reading channeled material is... Uh... Well, it's just the way these assholes talk. Yeah, it's very word salad e. Yes, David goes on to explain what the definition of the Socratic method is. <laughs> means you ask questions. <laughs> he he does like to do that those asides where he just breaks down simple ideas uh in case, you know, his readers too dumb to understand. He's an ascended being, so yeah. he's got to break it down for us idiots. Uh briefly mentioning the creators of the law of one we live with for a small time. Uh, part of the group was Jim McCarty, the, high, the highly athletic scribe who typed it all up from the original cassette tapes. Eventually, after living with Carla and Jim for two years, I realized that Jim had anchored in the body, Don the mind, and Carla the loving spirit. Thus, with the three of them combined, they were able to secure a high-level contact. Planet. Oh. <laughs> Wonder <laughs> Twins activate. Yeah, I was going the wrong direction. Uh, Don and Carla had been researching and experimenting with channeling for over 20 years before the Law of One contact began. Oh, what a waste of life. And felt that if it was done properly, <laughs> no. it was the best way to da- gain a deeper understanding uh, of the UFO phenomenon. Uh, can you imagine devoting 20, like... Your entire life? Yeah. Just it depends on how much money I make. Oh... I don't think they made much off of Law 1. I think you got to be pretty deep in the game to fi- find that uh, that piece of writing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's not beginner conspiracy shit. That's uh, it's a, it's it's an opus. It's a Nostradamus level piece of work. Except at least Nostradamus, it, it's in easier its, to read in its grandiosity. Yes, yes, in in form, not function, I guess. Uh, See, he goes on to discuss how the most important uh, principle in the law of one is free will. Everybody needs to be able to choose their own fate. Okay. I guess that's somehow, like, crucial to being able to advance is you can't be forced to do it. Right. So it's like being sober from marijuana, which we all know, as David pointed out, is is one of the most difficult things you can do in your life is uh, stop smoking weed when you were 19. Normally impossible. Yeah. So he has to, you have to want to quit. To actually quit. He talks about reincarnation and once again takes a brief excerpt from the Synchronicity Key. His, his own form, book, his for those of you who don't know, yes. The one that actually was a New York Times bestseller, I believe. <laughs> now talking about the Law of One, Nostradamus actually, uh, at times the material became deeply scientific in nature and made many assertions that could be proven either right or wrong. There was no gray area. This was quite different from the Nostradamus prophecies from the 1500s derived from a collection of 942 poetic quatrains that were often so vaguely Uh worded worded, that they could be interpreted to mean pretty much anything. Is David really about to shit-talk Nostradamus right now? I had a variety, I had read a variety of Nostradamus books that analyzed his legendary writings from his book Les Profites, and on many occasions the the authors seemed to try to force-fit his words into the accurate prophecies they wanted to see. He's shit-talking Nostradamus, the absolute fucking... Once again, Gaul. the irony that he is... The balls on this man yeah. to talk shit about a dude who makes vague prophecy. Well, and not just knocking Nostradamus, but the people, the people taking who, his writings yeah. who just took his writings and force-fit them to fit, fit his po- prophecies. He has a problem with that. Says the guy who's been 
doing that for track of his fucking dream notebooks and then retconning everything to fit his yeah. like for his th- entire life for 300 pages who's been doing that exact thing jesus fuck it he's 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 entering new levels of delusional narcissism do you think he just like leaves his body when he writes like he astral projects and it's just not him writing when so i write i go see. blind and let god do his thing <laughs> he's yeah he, he's he's tupac bro David Tupac. Let's see. They discuss a 25,000-year cycle the Earth goes through. Uh, He quotes a little Jesus here, because every 25,000 years they harvest... uh, Harvest Jesus? People. Okay. You know, Jesus is a farmer. Oh, some more fun mental gymnastics from David. Let's see. Get the springboard ready. (laughs) The phrase catalytic action is a slightly different wording of one of their favorite terms, catalyst. The word catalyst refers to any experiences that cause us to grow spiritually, and many but not all of these experiences are difficult. The word catalyst is similar to how we use the word karma, and it appears in a stunning 189 passages throughout the Law of One series. So in short, this quote was a very technical-sounding prophecy informing us that once we made it into the fourth density, the level of happiness, bliss, peace, and harmony was so high that we could barely even imagine what that would feel like in today's world. Life on Earth is a hundred times worse, a hundred times more depressing and sad, irritating and frustrating, shocking and upsetting than your everyday life after ascension. Oh, man, that that makes uh, suicide sound pretty good. So he goes from catalytic action to catalyst, uh, karma, to, to the world sucks. To life sucks. As 50 Cent said, the great prophet Curtis Jackson once wrote, uh, I got to make it to heaven because I'm going through hell. I'm going through hell. I'm going through hell. I got to make it to heaven. He repeated it three times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> three three letters per word. He's a black man. He was crying in David's house when he broke a light bulb. Let's see. Oh, oh now. <laughs> are you good? Uh, let's see. Moving on, David discusses uh, the global grid, uh, and we begin to enter into the pyramid power. Oh, for part fuck's of the book. sake. Uh, oh, no. He doesn't go too long on to it. Okay. Okay. Because I already have gone down this rabbit hole rather thoroughly, so we can we cannot have to go into it too much. <laughs> but uh, uh, d- basically, does he explain it? He explains what the pyramid shit is, or should we give a a short? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he gives a brief explanation. Oh, okay, okay. Um, just setting the the background. Uh, yeah. The Law of One series describes how the force fields of the Earth and their geometrically precise web surround and shape the planetary sphere. Uh, it was also made clear that the pyramids were built on the global grid to stabilize the Earth on its axis after the last major catastrophe that destroyed its highly advanced civilization of Atlantis. So you know how the Earth is tilted? Uh-huh. It's, it's because, because the pyramids, pyramids are gone. Okay. So that's why that's why we're tilting. Gotcha. Uh, moving forward, uh, the book, they quote, uh, Coincidences and Odd Circumstances, referring to a great synchronicity story of Dr. Don Elkins and Carla Ruckert. Uh, in the I would story, love to know what they're doctors of. Because once again, in this uh, community, doctor gets thrown around real fucking loosely. And I think the only real doctor is Stephen Greer. Yeah, I'd have to look it up, but I'm sure it's at best like a psychology degree. Yeah, it's like a doctorate in Latino studies or something. Or, or a doctorate in uh, transcendental meditation. or, or I don't know. It's yeah. never... It's doctor, never a doctor. real doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, he's a dentist. If someone had a heart attack on a plane and they asked for a Is doctor. Is there a doctor here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm. I'm a doctor. I'm. <laughs> nope. Wait, what's wrong with him? 
No, I only feel cavities. He's ascending to the fourth density. <laughs> I've seen no, this no, before. No, no, he's not dying. He'll Ra- be fine. Ra will take care of him. Are you sure your dad's not dead? <laughs> uh, let's see. Now, he cites Russian shit here. Oh, the pyramid guy, the guitar yeah. string salesman? Yeah, Dr. Alexander Golod. This guy, I believe, if it's the same guy I'm thinking of, this guy is also not a doctor. Um, he Is he the one who invites people to Russia to go into the healing pyramids and shit? Yeah. And so charges he, out the ass? So the from the Russian National Academy of Sciences, uh, they confirmed that large pyramids built of PVC pipes and fiberglass were able to reduce the severity of earthquakes and extreme weather in a statistically significant fashion. Areas near the pyramids seem to have diminished seismic activity, Instead of one large, powerful earthquake occurring, there are hundreds of tiny ones. Uh, pyramids can and do have a balancing effect upon the rhythms of the Earth. Many other mind-blowing discoveries were made with Dr. Glad's pyramids, including the reduction of radioactivity, the spontaneous charging of electrical capacitors, the purification of water and oil, a significant increase in the size of plants growing from pyramid-charged seeds, and a notable improvement in the behavior of prisoners and selected Russian jail cells built with pyramid-charged granite rocks. Yeah, the pyramid shit is fucking... It's nuts. It's pretty nuts. Lunacy. But this now, guy this guy also talks about, uh, I, in his other works, he talks about how it can, like, cure diseases and shit. Yeah, they think they can, like, cure cancer. And yeah, shit. yeah. I, I didn't want to directly say that because yeah. I couldn't remember if he actually did it, but allegedly, yes. Now, recently, this is a few years ago now, though, they did have an interesting study about the Great Pyramid where... The way it was built, there was some sort of strange flow of the magnetic energy. Not enough to, like, cause anything. It was just kind of cool that it all filtered up into one chamber. Yeah. But the idea that it's going to, like... Cure diseases? Yeah. Or make plants grow better? Well, and one of the things I always found weird about that thing was they built the pyramids out of big-ass rocks. I don't think you yeah, get to not, just not PVC pipe. I don't think you get to use PVC pipe and fucking fiberglass. I don't think that counts. Although if you want to look, they do sell uh if you go to the the kookier parts of the internet, they do sell like the healing pyramid kits. You can get them. It's almost like uh, x-ray goggles you just buy out of the back of a magazine back in the day. Yeah, pretty much. You, you can get little pyramid kits where you can build them and then sit inside and meditate and cure uh cure your cancer, I guess. Cure cancer, it said it would sharpen blades. I forgot about that. You could reuse your razors yeah. if you put it in the pyramid. Yeah, that it would just like start sharpening them. What other ones were there? Food wouldn't spoil. Yeah, food wouldn't spoil. Although I like the idea that they built pyramids to put prisoners in so they could track their mood. It's, yeah, it's it's all... Which, to be honest, in Russia, like, I don't know, they might do it. They do some weird shit in Russia. I mean, Russia has the fucking Black Dolphin prison. It's like the worst prison you could possibly go to. I think anyone who gets taken out of that doesn't give a fuck what shape their room is. They're just glad not to be in prison anymore. Thank God I'm out of the gulag. Yeah, I'll sleep in a fucking rhombus. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm happy because I'm no longer a Black Dolphin. Yeah, so David goes on to discuss distortions, which are just essentially, like, bad shit. And pretty much the whole philosophy underlying the law of one is you need to balance your karma by getting rid of the distortions okay uh but now we get into the seven densities which is like the tier of Ooh. consciousness <laughs> all right everyone buckle in this is another one where it uh 
We're getting into the home stretch because the last 15 pages are from his last book. So we're almost there. <laughs> he pulled another karate kid and just uh, fucking even copied the, himself. This one was absurd even for him. Even for him, it was a little much. But uh, continuing on. Uh, in order for us to re- reach the highest spiritual level, we have to work through each of the seven densities, which they refer to as a as true color. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Oh, each, is that indigo kids? So they're yeah, indigo children. Like a yeah, that's the whole thing Higher density. Ah, see, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. David taught me something today. Mm-hmm. The law of one really connects together, together a lot of that community. Yeah. Uh, each density is akin to a separate plane of existence that we work through in our evolution. We are connected to these densities through our seven energy centers, or chakras. They also display the colors of the rainbow along the way. <laughs> Red, orange, yellow, gr- blue, indigo, and violet. Apparently some people can see into the spirit world and are thus able to visually perceive these energy centers. The ancient Hindu scriptures talk about the chakras quite extensively. The Law of One says that each of our seven chakras are directly connected to each of the seven densities. In that sense, we are already full multidimensional beings, perfect holographic images of the whole. I had a guy who said he could read my aura. He said I had the aura of a lily waiting to blossom. So I've read some like <laughs> legit studies on that, and they've found that like if you take it in the right frequency, you can see it, but it's microbes. Oh, just like on the skin or some shit? Well, like everybody has microbes individual to their person. So they could identify, like, I guess the visible spectrum those are at. And you would see, like, vaguely different auras. But their theory was it was based off the microbes on your skin, not energy radiating out of you. Yeah, this was, uh, this prophecy was foretold to me by a homeless man on a bicycle with an InfoWars Alex Jones flag on the back of it. That's how the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. <laughs> they they tracked down a homeless guy and asked him to pick who he wanted. Oh, did you not know that story? Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, no, no, no. The, 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 the oh, I G- thought you were fucking No, fucking no, no. Around. The GM was walking around, and a homeless dude came up to him and said, you should draft Johnny Manziel. <laughs> and they drafted Johnny Manziel. I, I still can't quite tell if you're fucking with me or not, but that is the most Browns thing to do. Oh, no, you can Google it. That's the story. I couldn't make that up if I tried. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, I fucking love me some Johnny football. <laughs> Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Continuing on, he goes, the law of one is really, really dense. If you are particularly interested, I recommend doing that. Uh, read the Wikipedia page. Yeah, Don't read the book. Because if I read all of this, we're going to be here for about 12 hours. <laughs> the, whoever has to read this fucking audio book is going to shoot themselves. Oh, that poor, uh, I, hopefully David does it himself. Of course he will. And then we can steal some audio clips for Mr. Jim's soundboard. <clears throat> okay. Each density from the fourth on up was associated with a law or a set of laws. The fourth is the law of love. The fifth density is the law of light, which they also define as wisdom. The sixth density where Ra is speaking from is the law of one, hence the title of the series. And the seventh density is the law of foreverness. Dr. Scott Mendelker explained in his book that it is a sixth density understanding to see self and other as one. Once you reach seventh density, you realize there is no self. There is no other. There is only timelessness and foreverness. Buddhist texts present the same concept, and it was often translated into English with the term the void. This is the final realization we will all eventually have before we reunite with what is called infinite intelli- intelligent infinity. Okay. So uh, Once again, that's another thing I can sort of vibe with. I, I can agree with uh, everything is everything sort yeah. of flow. Now, I find it a little funny I, I that... I felt that way on acid before. <laughs> I find it a little funny that some of these dudes try really hard 
to not be religious. And yeah. it's just like, dude, you can just go to church, man. Like, yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to make it sound scientific. Yeah. But there's really no way to make any of this sound concrete. It's all nebulous and... Well, there's just, once again, it's similar to religion in that there's no hard... You can't prove it. Yeah, you can't prove it. If you could prove it, there'd, there'd be no point. Yeah. Um, you just sort of have to... Now, who knows? This year might prove it. Hey, if we get aliens, we still got a few days left in July here. That's we got true. like uh, five days. Let's see. Continuing on, Ra gets confused by the term galaxy. <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> Discussing uh, helping people from within our solar system, he says, This confederation works with the planetary spheres of seven of your galaxies, if you will and it's responsible for the callings of the densities of these galaxies. We use the term galaxy in this sense as you would use star system. So, funny that he doesn't understand how galaxy works. But, but uh, seven shows up again. So we got seven chakras, we got seven galaxies, we got seven densities. It's a lucky number. Yeah. Uh, let's see, continuing on, Ra, History of Ra and the Confederation. Ra said the Confederation of Planets in the service of the Infinite Creator has only one important statement. That statement, my friends, as you know, is all things, all of life, all of the creation is part of one original thought. How deep. <laughs> Ra clearly indicated in this passage that some kind of damage had occurred to the people of Earth from their arrival here, and that they were bound to their own form of restitution to heal it. So pretty much we're just all living to work off whatever debt we got. We, got, we reincarnated to work off our karmic debt. Yeah, the karmic Jews need us to pay the debt. <laughs> I think I'm going to be reincarnating a few more times then. I, I got, uh, I've got racked up quite a bill. You got some debt to pay off? Yeah. <clears throat> well, whatever. I'm here for a long time. I, I Look, hope... if I get to denigrate David Wilcock in multiple lifetimes, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll take it as many lifetimes as it takes. Well, maybe this is how we work off our karmic debt. Maybe this is what we need to do. We're, we're setting uh, the, the record straight for many a people. <clears throat> All right, continuing on. The pyramids inadvertently created damage. Uh, we get far more detail about Ra's involvement with the pyramids and how this in turn created damage to the people of Earth as they are working to repair. Uh, we are those of the Confederation who 11,000 of your years ago came to your planetary cultures, which were at the time closely in touch with the creation of one creator. It was our naive belief that we could teach by direct contact. And the free will distortions of individual feeling or personality were in no danger, we thought of being disturbed. We came and were welcomed by the people who we wished to serve. We attempted to aid them in technical ways, having to do with the healing of mind-body-spirit complex distortions through the use of crystal, appropriate to the distortion. Crystal map. That's... Oh, that'd, that'd be fucking awesome if the yeah. alien just showed up. Just... You guys got any rose vases? Yeah, who's got a, a miniature flashlight from the 99 cent store? <laughs> and uh, thus the pyramids were created. Uh, we left your peoples. The group that was to work with those in the areas of South America, as you call that portion of your sphere, <laughs> gave up not so easily. They returned. We did not. However, we have never left your vibration due to our responsibility for the changes in your consciousness we had first caused. So basically, Ra fucked around too much and built all these dope-ass pyramids uh -huh. and, and then, then left. And then people were like, yo, let's fucking... Let's fuck in this pyramid. So they left. Essentially, they left the uh, 
there was like no if, babysitter at the house. They left yeah. the kids unattended, and we we yeah, we the, played with the loaded gun and yeah. fucking accidentally shot our uh, little brother. Yeah, the gun safe was left unlocked. Yeah, we were able to get it, and which is hilarious. Up the world that some that a being of this density didn't have the foresight to like, hey, I should probably stick around for a minute. Yeah, if you could just, like, project your consciousness anywhere, you think you could project your consciousness, uh, like, 20 minutes into the future to see what's going to happen. Now, Ra goes on to claim that uh, they might have gotten into some human sacrifice in Egypt as they did with the Mayans. Okay. Uh, Their intent to create pyramids that could heal people and balance the Earth on its new axis after the fall of Atlantis had become distorted. In both South America and Egypt, the priests and peoples of the era began using these pyramids for human sacrifices, which was exactly the opposite of the extremely positive purposes they were originally <laughs> built to fulfill. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. You give any, you give him, look, we got Twitter and look at what we turned it into. Yeah. That's, you give uh, us a fucking pyramid that can heal the planet. We're going to get up some fucked up shit with that. Yeah. We're going to carve out some virgin hearts on top. Uh, because of this, the earth was put under quarantine. Now topical. Ooh. By the Confederation at a certain point in our past history. Because our people had so many spiritual problems, once the quarantine was established, it was impossible for random extraterrestrial groups to fly into our atmosphere and land on the Earth. In addition, even the positive groups had to request permission to appear on Earth and perform a given mission. Uh, they just couldn't. This and other administrative Confederation decisions were made in a local governing body called the Council of Saturn. The fact that there's, like, paperwork aliens have to fill right. out to come down to Earth. Like, the bureaucratic system they've set up is the incredible. Gal- the galactic DMV line they have to go through. Like, yeah. sir, you're in the wrong line. You're going to need to fill out this paperwork. This is a fourth density paperwork. You're going <laughs> to need to fill out the sixth density paperwork. I've been here all day just trying to, <laughs> sir, I've been please here don't yell at me. Three li- three incarnations. <laughs> sir, just please go sit over there. Ma'am, I understand. <laughs> Yeah, that is it is great, and I like that they're on Saturn just for. They're Who the only, are they asking? They're the only ones from though, like the Confederation, which is just a group of different varieties of aliens, I guess. Yeah, I guess they've. I guess if we're assuming Ra is part of the Confederation, they got to be at least sixth density, right? So I guess they just got to get the permission of the other alien life forms to. I would perform assume their own. The tasks. Council of Saturn is like a city council. <laughs> it's the local governing body. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the housewives of the sixth density yeah, civilizations. It's, the, it's uh, the galactic PTO meeting. Let's see. So eighth density is apparently the ultimate goal. I don't uh, know. I went to eight. I didn't really think so either, but it doesn't really give a good explanation. It says... This octave density of which we have spoken is both omega and alpha. The spiritual mass of the infinite universe is becoming one central sun or creator once again. Then is born a new universe, a new infinity, a new logos, which incorporates all that the creator has experienced of itself. In this new octave, there are also those who wander. We know very little across the boundary of octave, except that these beings come to our octave in its logos completion. I, so, so that's octave, like the, that Isaac Asimov story, yeah. the... Well, the question or whatever, where mm-hmm. like the universe just sort of collapses in on itself every so often and rebuilds, re- yeah. restarts from uh, just because step one, yeah, <clears throat> which seems like that's just simulation theory. Yeah, you just you control, delete, and reboot the system. Uh, closing out <clears throat> this section, David says, until you truly understand just how impossible the pyramid is from any conventional technological <laughs> standpoint. 
You cannot truly appreciate the levels of sophistication that went into its construction. Once we fully understand this data, it will become much easier to contemplate how this structure could have been built by the most advanced, benevolent, extraterrestrial life ever to appear on Earth. He is really fucking obsessed with those pyramids. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. And then in the final chapter of our section today, he begins talking about some of the Illuminati and a little little more from Ra. And then he quotes his own self for about 15 pages. That is a fantastic move. I'm I'm writing Moby Dick when I get home. I'm just going to copy and paste it. It's got to be public domain by now. John yeah. Johnson's Moby Dick will be released on Kindle. Let's see. It's uh it's implied soon. it's implied they made the pyramids with telepathy. Yeah. Uh, I've heard see. that before the the zero point energy fucking like gravity yeah. machine and and then he caught me with a okie doke here because he goes to prophecy in stone and i was like oh cool prophecies and then no that was where he cites his own work for so we're 15 still pages we're still yet to reach the prophecy he made in this book his current prophecies yes which i guess we'll do next week in the the likely final installment or or close uh, to Maybe yeah, two yeah, more installments. It'll probably be just about the end, unless unless anything in here gets particularly dense. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, fuck, man, that was a that Ooh. was a heavy episode. Yeah, that was deep. That was. I don't. These are all pretty deep. I, there's just there's no way to go about this quickly. It's so much to unpack, and it's so nonsensical, and it's just jumping all over the place, and there's really no. I don't know what he's trying to do. Yeah, I don't entirely understand the plot. Because initially it was just like David's dream analysis. Yeah. And then now it's shifting into like the law of one. By the way, this other shit also happened. Yeah. but So I don't know how he's going to tie this all together. But yeah, all of this serves no purpose so far. There's no greater goal where the paths seem like they're going to converge. Well, in his and, other books, fortify within themselves and sort of uh, come to completion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in his other books, he has a clearly set up plot. Like in the source field investigations, he's investigating the different shit about that with the geometry and the different energies and whatnot. What? And ascension prophecies, he's going through the process of being seated and then ascending and whatnot. Ascent- this he's just kind of... Yeah, it's uh, he's he's freeform, and his yeah. his other books were kind of like PowerPoint presentations, almost like yeah, they he, were linear. Yeah, you clearly understood where shit was going. This this is like if I took uh, a deck of PowerPoint slides and I just fucking shuffled them, yeah, and then just started calling out random numbers. I mean, he's got and he's that's got, what we're going with. Like he's losing plot mid sentence, let alone like chapter to chapter. Yeah, I have no idea what the fuck the purpose of this, like, what we covered today, I have no idea what I'm supposed to get out of that. Yeah, the only new information I got was Gray Jesus. Outside of that, it's just literal quotes. Yeah, it was just him telling us about other guys and what they said. Yeah, which would be fine if it wasn't stuff he quoted before. If he hadn't already gone through this over and over and over and over again. Now, in vague defense of David, this has been plaguing the UFO community in the last few years particularly because the well has kind of run dry and politics took over so much. It really did. That they just haven't gotten any new information in so long that they're 
they're just they got nothing left. They're like the sports talk radio guys at this point. Like they're just there's, there's nothing fucking left to nothing, talk about. There's literally nothing to talk about. Like I either rehash this shit or we talk about my five favorite restaurants I can't go to. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. All right. Well, so he promises prophecy in the next chunk of the book. So we'll see if he finally follows through on that or. Or if we've been sold a false bill of goods this yes. entire fucking time. Or if his prophecies are according to a book that was quoting a book he read in one library. I'd be fucking pissed if we got tricked into thinking he was prophesizing some shit. That would be actually hilarious if I get to the end of the book and the prophecy was just that you bought the book. You bought the, uh, he was right. Yeah, you We're stupid both... fuck. You bought the book, didn't you? That's the uh, you know... only prophecy that mattered. That's uh, that's the ultimate laugh he has on us. Is as well we may be ridiculing the man. Well, that's why I would. Our never, money is in his pocket. That's why I would <laughs> never. Uh, I'd never tell him to stop. No, keep keep grinding, bro. Yeah, keep going. All right, the butcher's coming. I'm out. <laughs>